Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello everybody and welcome in and thank you for joining me on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a great one in store for you guys today. But first, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell notification that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's Operation Domination, baby. That's Wednesday night. It's time to put last week behind us and move forward into the new week so we can continue to win you championships and cash you tickets. Uh, yeah, I won't be by myself for very long, hopefully. I'm not really sure where the other guys are at. I guess they didn't get the memo. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear from them soon. But we do have, of course, a full slate of action-packed games and getting through all the information we got to get through for you guys to help you out is, is a bear when we don't have any bye weeks yet. A couple more weeks until week five. We start getting some bye weeks in here, but nonetheless, I feel pretty prepared in helping you guys be able to win your weeks and cash those tickets. So make sure you ask your questions as the show goes on. We'll answer any start-sit situations, trade questions, all kinds of things, waiver ad drops. We're just here to help you out and have some fun along the way. Let's just start into, uh, let's get our first matchup with the Thursday night game. Okay, so our first matchup, we got the Giants taking on the San Francisco 49ers. This game right now has been fluctuating between a minus 10, minus 10 and a half, somewhere in there. The point is San Fran plans on going into this game at least 10 point favorites against the New York Giants. It should come, frankly, as no surprise. The more surprise that the over-under is 45, because I don't know if the Giants can be able to score points in this game. No Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, as I've well documented over the weeks, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that this guy, when he does not have a bottom tier matchup in a defense to go up against, he is terrible 
fantasy wise. In fact, that's actually why I have him ranked at my QB 17. ECR has got him at 15, just a couple spots lower. But after he was the QB one last week, I have Daniel Jones as a must bench this week because of that said matchup. That's what we're talking about in today's show. With that, the number one quarterback goes right to your bench now because he's playing against a competent defense and it's elite defense, but all he has to do is play a competent defense and I don't want to play him. You take Saquon Quan Barkley out of that mix. Now the RPO isn't as active, and now all of a sudden we got a mess on our hands. But let's welcome in Chase Thornton to the show. Chase, how we doing, buddy? Pretty good. What do you know tonight, dude? Not much. We got the Operation Domination show. It just got kicked off a little bit with the Giants and 49ers, and uh, I guess everybody else is leaving us hanging for now. We'll see if they get in as, <laughs> as, the, show, as the show goes on. Uh, <laughs> So I just talked about Daniel Jones is a must bench for me, Chase. What, what do you think after being the QB one last week? I don't have him as a must bench, but I definitely I have him outside of outside of starting range. I've got him at seventeen this week, so I don't have him starting even in a deep league in sixteen. I just think it's it's too too rough a matchup, and with the uncertainty surrounding Saquon Barkley, he's not going to have a whole lot of help back there taking pressure off of him. Um, their offensive line is banged up to beat the band right now, which is hard to say three times fast, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't have him. I, I definitely don't have him as a must start. Not yet. And you know, as well as anybody else, I'm a Danny dimes guy. I love me some Daniel Jones. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't think that he's going to have enough help right now. Uh, he finally got his rushing yards last week, which is, which helped. And he, and he had a good, he had a good passing game. He hit 300 yards passing. He should have, yeah, he played like a number one, a starting quarterback, but, that ain't going to happen this week with no Saquon. I don't think we're going to see Saquon and with no, you know, no O-line help against that 49er defense. Yeah, if you were actually going to start Daniel Jones, you'd have to hope he comes up with something in garbage time. His value is so hand-in-hand with his rushing ability. And they have no Saquon, and the 49ers can just tee off on him in the RPO action. I don't know how much rushing room he's going to have. So that's why he's on the bench for me here. Uh, Brock Purdy, by the way, though, 230 and a half passing yards. Not going to quite hit the over on that, but I will hit the over on one and a half passing touchdowns, where his prop is sitting at right now. Last week was the first week. We'll try it again. Last week was the first week that he did not throw for two touchdowns since he started in a regular season game. And really, yeah. that's because he had a couple missed throws in the game. Could have actually had a huge day. I suspect that won't be the case this week, whether Brian Ayuk plays or not. And we'll get into that in just a second. But let's, of course, you're playing Christian McCaffrey. Oh, by the way, Christian McCaffrey's, I don't know who set these over-unders this week, but I, I there's a lot of great values. 79 and a half rush yards against this New York Giants team right now. I don't know if people are just freaking out because they're like, oh, they're going to, 49ers are talking about they have to rest him. <laughs> okay, well, maybe for eight carries, relax. He's going to get over 100 yards rushing this win, so hammer the over on that one. Let's talk about the Giants backfield, though, because Saquon, we know he's out. It was coach speak the whole time that he was going to be game time decision. He was right. never going to be a thing. That's why Matt Breida was number five on my waiver wire rankings. But I don't have him inside my top 36. For one thing, I, I, I wasn't super thrilled about having my waiver wire rankings because it's a maybe a one-week wonder because it is talking about Saquon in a way that maybe he does play next week. Maybe you get two weeks out of it. You hate the matchup. You know it's going to be a three-man committee most likely, at least a two-man committee, probably Gary Brightwell. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a little bit of air gray in there. And look, Kyron has success last week. I get it. But he was also targeted 10 times, and he got in the end zone twice. His efficiency, yeah. 
4.7 yards per carry. I don't really want to play Matt Breida. I know teams are running back needy though. Chase, where you got Matt Breida? Yeah, I I think he was a he he was a priority waiver wire ad because of course and, and you know he's taken over for Saquon and we all know that you know he's going to be the lead of like you said even if it is a committee uh, he's the best of the three guys they got left in pass protection so you I mean he's going to get the work that Saquon would have had but I don't think the game script is going to be there for them to continue to just hand him the ball we already talked about their myriad issues on the offensive line uh, they're facing the 49ers this is it's just not a good matchup all around if Saquon can't return next week if this does turn into a two or three week thing, I definitely like Breida better down the road as in next week and the following week, much more than I like him this week. So no, I I'm right there with you. I've got him right at ECR at 37. So I'm, yeah, I'm not high on him either, but he was a priority ad for, for good reason. Yeah, no, 100%. If you did, have you had Saquon, you probably felt the need to pick up Matt Breida. That's again, that's why it was on my list. I just don't like it for this week. Uh, Debo Samuel, you're going to play him. I'm a little bit higher than the ECR, but I do want to cash his 54 and a half receiving yards prop. He's been over that the last two weeks in a row. And Brandon Youth may, may not play. If he does play, may be limited. This just sets up to be a good matchup for Debo Samuel. So I'm hammering the over on the 54 and a half receiving yards. Speaking of Brandon Ayuk, now he was able to play in and out that game with the shoulder issue. You could tell it hindered him. Again, if Brock Purdy actually hits him in stride, he still has a big game, even on limited snap counts. If he plays, you got to play him. I, I think that's really basically what this comes down to chase i guess a quick question for you because i don't spend too much time talking about brand Ayuk, but if you are if you own brand Ayuk, and maybe you do in some leagues would you rather see the 49ers play him or sit him for the longevity or just want to play him because it's a great match against the giants um i want him to stay healthy because when he's healthy i have and i'm on record i said it last week i'll say it all season until i get i see it proven otherwise i think he's the best wide receiver on that team Fantasy wise, I think he's, and I think he's the, you know, I think he's the best option they have as a wide receiver, as a straight wide receiver, but I don't necessarily want to see him aggravate that shoulder injury or, you know, play through it and be lesser than, so I'm okay. I didn't necessarily draft Brandon Ayuk to have to be one of my top two wide receivers in a lot of leagues. Um, I do have him. I, I have a handful of him. Um, I would, you know, Hey, if he's going to be limited, just back off, let him heal let him get healthy, put him back in later on. I'm not worried about matchups. I know it's a good matchup against the Giants. I'm not necessarily worried about matchups with anybody on the 49ers offense because I think they're just that good a team. But, yeah, I, I if if he's banged up in any way, I would much rather see him get healthy. Yeah, I tend to agree. Longevity matters more to me as somebody who does have brain IU in certain, certain situations. Here's what I would say. If he does play tomorrow, I have to think they let him play because they don't feel like he's going to be limited. Otherwise, why take the chance when you're a 10-point favorite? Yeah if, so he's, yeah, if he's out there, I think it's a positive sign for yeah. his um, injury status. And it was not a – there was no fracture on the x-ray. Let's welcome in Adam LaRue. And, Adam, you can a- answer one of our questions from one of our returning guests here. Uh, Akers to Minnesota, should I consider stashing? Adam, would you stash Cam Akers now? Uh, I, I, I think that there's – it's league to league, I guess is what I would say. Look, uh, I, I think especially in standard, I would consider stashing him, especially if there's bigger benches. Uh, I, I think realistically the same thing that plagued him uh, in uh, for the Rams is going to plague him to a l- lesser extent, but nonetheless still plague him in Minnesota. And what I mean by that, look, 
if you can't pass block and if you're not trusted to be the pass catcher, that's going to limit you from a fantasy perspective. And that's like the one thing that Minnesota should trust uh, Madison to do to some extent. Now, look, he's not great at it, but Akers hasn't shown any propensity to be a good pass blocker in the NFL to this point. So I I think Madison still gets uh, the snaps in those situations. Now, early down guy, I think Akers takes it, and I think he takes it very quickly, is how much do you expect that to be worth? And I think that's, you know, maybe that's a flex. Maybe that's someone who is a high-end handcuff. Maybe he's uh, in certain matchups, plus matchups, you can play him, but you don't when it's going to be, you know, explosive offenses back and forth. But with Minnesota's defense so far, that's been all of them. So... (laughs) That's kind of my concern with him in Minnesota is if he's the early down back and I want to play him when, when Minnesota's in plus many of those they have. Yeah. I, I, I think the simple answer here is just, is just, yes. Look, I don't know what the hell went on with Cam Akers and Sean McVay and how we just had round two this year to start <laughs> off. Like it's absolutely insane, but we did see Cam Akers be a league winner at the end of the year. Alexander Madison's not known for being the healthiest of dudes. And even this winds up being a split, he could put himself in some kind of flex play consideration, especially if Madison does wind up getting injured at some point down the road. So yeah, I definitely think you stash cam acres right now, especially with how many needy teams are out there. One more question and we'll wrap up this Thursday night game. Johnny said, I just traded Godwin, Jalen Warren, Isaiah Pacheco for Amari Cooper, cam acres and Tutu Atwell. Was it a good trade? I think it depends on how running back needy you were. Let's let's put it that way. Because Pacheco is a starting running back now. I, I know he's injured with the hamstring right now. We don't know what his availability is going to be this week, and that's 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 all fair and good. But as it stands today, let's injury aside, he's a starting running back right now, and you have a starting receiver in Godwin. You definitely improve with Amari Cooper over Chris got over Chris Godwin, in my opinion. But you take a hit on Pacheco to Cam Akers right now, and two two. Uh, he's very much dependent on this Cooper Cup comeback. If Cooper Cup comes back, it's going to be – he's got yeah, a little bit more. He's like, I got White, JT, Kelly, and Moss as, as, your, as your running backs. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I would have did that day, that trade there, John, to be, to be honest with you. I think you're giving up a little bit too much because Tutu has a limited ceiling. If Cooper Cup comes back, Cam Akers, I don't think you're ever going to feel comfortable playing him unless he overtakes Madison or Madison gets injured. Jalen Warren is kind of in the same space as Cam Akers with much higher upside, in my opinion, because he brings something in the passing game. He's already doing it now. So, John, I don't know if I would have did that deal. You guys disagree or agree? No, I agree. I think that, you know, it, again, I, I don't necessarily know if it means how how needy his running back room was, but his, his wide receiver room, you had three starting – I mean, if you've got JT and Moss, you've got one starting running back, depending on whatever happens. White is a starting running back. Kelly is not. So you've got two starting running backs now where you had three when you had Pacheco, plus you had a flex option and a possible who knows what will happen in Pittsburgh with Warren. Uh, with Godwin, I agree that Godwin to Amari is an upgrade. Tutu, like you said, might be absolutely fantasy worthless in three, four weeks if if Cooper Cup can come back. Um, and Akers, nobody knows. Like he says, it's a dart throw. It is, it is a complete total dart throw. Um, it- 
it I, is, I mean, but it's, Dylan Warren's a better dart throw. It would have been in a similar situation. It's, I, I don't. I yeah. don't think I would have did that trade. Uh, I don't think I would have, but I don't think it's the end of the world. No, I'll like, put it that way. It so the sky isn't falling. Don't be like, ah, oh, crap. I just, no, you didn't lose whatever. the trade. I don't want to put yeah. it that way. You didn't no, lose no, no. the trade. I just don't think I would have bothered doing the trade. Uh, let's just finish up this Thursday night game because obviously you're going to play Darren Waller even in a tough matchup. But George Kittle, he's like tight end eight. Just He's kind of falling into the Kyle Pitts category for me right now. You're my tight end eight based on talent. You have to start based on talent, but he's blocking so much. I got him at eight. ECR has him at six. And it's just nine targets, six receptions, and 49, 49 yards through two games. If Ayuk misses, maybe he has some more upside because then his receiving will have to get an uptick. But if Ayuk is out there, I think it's just more the same for Kittle. His player prop at 44.5, I'd bet the under before I would bet yeah. the over on that one. I mean, Adam, Adam, we'll kick it to you because just joined the show. Where are you out in George Kittle right now? I mean, it, it, this is always plugged George, George Kittle. I mean, let, let's face it, he is, from a fantasy perspective, he is too good of a football player because you can't use him in multiple ways, including blocking a lot. He adds so much uh, for a team that, let's face it, the offensive line is anchored by a left tackle and George Kittle. That's you know really all the blocking that you're getting done. Uh, you, you rely heavily on the running game. You have a, a young quarterback. So the extra blocking help is really, really important. I think Shanahan realizes that that's, you know, allowing Kittle to block a lot more. I think as we get deeper into the season to keep teams off guard, they're going to have to use him to attack the seams more. Uh, But early on here and in this matchup specifically, I agree. I think I don't feel super, super confident playing him. Yeah, tend to agree. Let's head into our next match. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. First, I just want to say, Nick Chubb, I hope we see you back next year. That if you guys saw it on social media, like his his looked like his leg almost got broken off. It was it was completely and utterly brutal uh, in that one. So I just want to do a quick shout out there for him first. As far as the other injuries go, right now, Derrick Henry was limited today. We're not too concerned about that. Amari Cooper was also limited with a groin and shoulder. Actually, he was did not practice with a groin and shoulder issue. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on Amari Cooper for this week. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow night at 930. We're going to have Brian Scott from the Injuries Podcast to go over all these injuries and what our expectations are for their playing time this upcoming week. We do need to talk about Deshaun Watson, <laughs> who I have in my QB 13, and uh, ECR has been 11. I'm not going to tell you to start Deshaun Watson. Look, it's not just that he looks lost out there. I think those type of things can be corrected over the course of a season of getting on the same page with the offensive play caller and the rest of the team. I think that can be corrected. What I don't think can be corrected is the fact that he looks like he is completely lost his arm. He has no control or velocity on the deep throws that made Deshaun Watson what Deshaun Watson was in Houston. That doesn't come back in a season. He doesn't look like he even has it anymore. You're looking for him to rush. That is only thing keeping him semi-fantasy relevant right now. Chase, are you going to start Deshaun Watson? Are you looking for other options? I'm hoping that you have other options. The uh, the two The two redraft teams that I have him on, uh, one I have Tua on. I'm, I'll obviously be starting Tua there. The other one I have Jordan Love on. And even though I've got, I have Deshaun Watson ranked as my number thirteen as well, like you did. Um, I'm seriously considering putting Love in over him this week. Uh, he's just, yeah, you're right. He doesn't look confident in any of his throws, and it looks like he's he looks mentally slow right now. And I don't mean 
that in, in a pejorative sense, I mean, it looks like it's taking him, he's not processing things quickly enough to make the right decisions. And when he does make that decision, it just looks like it's taking so long for that ball to get there and get out. He he's looked, he's looked just fine running the ball, but that needs to translate to being able to run, throw on the run. And right now he doesn't look like he's processing things well enough to be able to find people on the run and make the throws when he's running. He just has to run. And so, yeah, if, if you've got another option, I'd be jumping all over that right now. Um, yeah. Unless and until we see that he looks like he's playing at NFL speed passing wise. I don't, I don't think that he's a number one option right now. Hey, Cleveland Browns. Everything you touch at the quarterback position just turns to dust. Uh, Adam, help me out with Jerome four here for me. Uh, I'm assuming the ECR is going to catch up. Because right now it's sitting at 28. It's Wednesday. It's early. My rankings are actually up to date. Jerome Ford is my RB10 this week. I know it's against Tennessee, which is a tough matchup, but I don't and I don't care. They signed Kareem Hunt. We can we can go all day about the ghost of Kareem Hunt from last year. I he's not gonna have the Kareem Hunt role. I don't care. I'll get your I'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But Ford can actually do all three downs. He's going to be the guy right away this week. One, Hunt will be ready right away. Pierre Strong's a bum. Do you have Jerome Ford as an RB1 this week? I think he's on the fringes. I I do think he's on the fringes. I might be a touch lower than you, but I I definitely significantly higher than the ECR. Uh, As far as uh, Kareem Hunt goes, Look, I I think it's a similar situation to Minnesota in the sense that I think Kareem Hunt was brought to pass block effectively, uh, passing situations, obvious passing situations only, with the primary difference being the passing game is Minnesota's game. That is what is keeping them alive. The run game is Cleveland's game. That is what's keeping them alive. Jerome Ford is going to be the heart and soul of this team effectively. I mean, really, it's the defense, really, it's the offensive line, but the run game is what's going to be keeping them offensively productive. Uh, and that's going to live through Jerome Ford uh, through pretty much any metric you want to look at Kareem Hunt in both as a receiver, which is like the one thing that you would hope Kareem Hunt still has not great last year. And as a rusher, abysmal last year, like most metrics abysmal. So I, I don't think Kareem Hunt really matters too much. I would be aggressively targeting Jerome Ford, uh, especially after the Kareem Hunt news. Um, and yeah, I, I feel confident in him. Maybe 10 might be a little expensive for me, uh, but I feel he's a must-play start in my opinion. I just wanted to assure the people who spent all their fat budget and all their waivers getting Jerome Ford were like bummed out by the Kareem Hunt news. Don't be. You're, no, not work. at all. You're going to lose your third and 12s, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And, and that's literally all it's going to be. It's like, yeah, you might lose the obvious third and yeah. 12 type right. passing third and four, though, This team wants to, they wants to run. They want to throw the ball to the running back. They were throwing it to Nick Chubb, even though he was their running back. And this team was willing to let Kareem Hunt go because they liked Jerome Ford so much and his ability to do what Nick Chubb didn't typically do for them. And Kareem Hunt coming in. Okay, great. But Jerome Ford can already do all of that as well. I think this was much more a marriage of convenience than it was, oh, we, we, we can really use Kareem Hunt. If they thought they could have used Kareem Hunt, he still would, he would have been there. He would have come back before this. It's a marriage of convenience because he already knows the system. He already knows the, the 
pass blocking calls. That's that's what this is. Jerome Ford is is easily easily a starting running back from here on out. Yeah, and I, I threw a ton of fab at him like everybody else. So. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. I just want to mention Amari Cooper real quick. We're going to have to watch him on the injury list, obviously. But even with all the disaster going on in Cleveland, he still had 10 targets, 7 receptions, and 90 yards. The ECR right now has him ranked at wide receiver 25. Having him ranked as a wide receiver 3 for this week is a joke. I got him at wide receiver 15. If Cooper plays, you play him. Hey, let's welcome Chris Dowhower to the show. Chris, what's going on, man? I was trying out her running back, and you know, I was trying to see all the different positions, all these different <laughs> running backs that are hurt. I figured I try to give it a shot before I joined the show. I haven't got signed yet, um, but I'm happy to be here, I guess. And Keep the phone lines open. Keep the phone we'll, we'll hear back. We'll, we'll hear in the morning. Chris Dalhauer goes to Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Chris, help me out with the uh, DeAndre Hopkins out here, though. I think he's just a wide receiver three from here on out, man. I know he was nicked up. I know he's on a little bit of a smaller snap count than we would normally see him play last week. And I know that Tannehill, on one hand, did show that maybe he's not totally toast with a 2024 stat line, 249 yards. So there's a reason to have some hope, but he just looks like he's lost a step. He reminds me a lot right now of Michael Thomas. They just look like shells themselves where you have to be willing to throw them jump balls in order for them to still stay relevant. And Traylon Burks looks like he's gaining steam. I think DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver 30 for me this week and might be a wide receiver three the rest of the season. Do you see the same or no? For this week, I definitely def- you know agree. Playing Cleveland in the secondary has been really good. It's really stingy this entire year for the most part. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for him, especially not, not being healthy. But I think, you know, when you're talking about Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe they're the guys they were, you know, 2018, 2019. But what you are seeing is guys that are getting targets and their quarterbacks looking for them predominantly as that first read the majority of the time. I like Traylon Burks' big play potential, but he had three catches. Um, so I think, you know, John, DeAndre Hopkins is going to continue to be the guy for Tennessee. So I think he's a strong receiver three. I understand you're thinking, you know, he's not going to have necessarily that ceiling. But I think he could be a receiver two option for the out there this season because I think he's one of those guys that week in, week out, you can feel comfortable you're going to get something out of him. Yeah, I tend to agree. Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, I'm not playing either one of them, but I'm still looking for horizons. Uh, David Njoku is just, uh, he's just your whole hum top 10 tight end. Play him if you got him, but you know, you never did really too excited about it. Chig right now is my tight end 21. He will move up if DeAndre Hopkins were to miss, but that would be about it. So I think we can go ahead and just move on to our next matchup here. <laughs> We got the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Detroit Lions in Detroit in this game. The Lions are favored at a minus three and a half line of 45 and a half over under in this game. So only slightly favored at home with Atlanta coming to town. David Montgomery likely to miss with a thigh issue. They already made moves like Zonovan Knight. So I, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to wind up missing at least this week. He talked about how he thinks it was going to be a few week injury and one to keep your eye on. I'm on Ross St. Brown. There's a rumor going around that it might be turf toe. Haven't gotten that confirmed yet, but there's a rumor that it might be turf toe. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that for now. We're still pretending like he may be able to play this week for this. Uh, Jared Goff's at home, so therefore he is a top 12 quarterback. I have him at 10. You can go ahead and play him, and you're going to play Bijan Robinson. I do want to discuss... Jameer Gibbs. So Adam, help me out with Jameer Gibbs a little bit here. David Montgomery's out. Obviously, his role should continue to grow, but Craig Reynolds figures the factor in there a little bit too. Now, ECR, they're ready to jump on jump on the bandwagon here. They got him at 10. 
I still have 14. I'm not ready to make him an RB1 just yet. I think Craig Reynolds' role will be significant enough to limit his touches where he's going to have to make some big plays. Not that he can't do it, but it will still be dependent on being him being highly efficient, in my opinion. Now, Craig Reynolds, make no mistake, is not David Montgomery. In fact, the man has never even scored a touchdown in his entire NFL career, despite having a two-game stretch back in 2021 where he was relevant. Do you think Jameer Gibbs should be an RB1, or are you more in line with how I see this, Adam? I mean, I think either way, like whether it's 14 or 10, he's a starting, you're playing him, right? So you're definitely playing Jameer Gibbs. I think, look, he's a young guy. They invested heavily in him. I think the Lions plan isn't going to waver here just based off of a game or two. Look, they're going to gradually, you know, introduce him into the offense, gradually give him a little more, a little more, a little more. And whether that's Craig Reynolds or David Montgomery, who uh, he's eating into, I don't think that changes. I think that's just their plan. They're going to, you know, keep giving him a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think every week you're going to see a little bit more from him. Um, you know, definitely think he's playable. Definitely think Craig Reynolds is going to get some touches here in some situations. I'm not playing Craig Reynolds in any situation, but I, I think he'll get touches. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel very comfortable playing Jameer Gibbs. I'm not ready to anoint him a, a top 10 running back right now but i don't think it really impacts too too much i feel very confident playing him yeah and he's one of those guys who can just rip off a touchdown run or reception at any moment so yeah that much is 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 certain uh tyler algier continues to be a touchdown dependent rb3 in my book i got him at 31 he's at 29 you did mention craig reynolds i am at 36 with the running backs being what they are heading into this week, he just actually squeaks into my flex area. Chase, would you play him as a flex this week or by no means necessary? I'm way higher on ECR than than most people, but I'm not quite as high as you. I have him at 38. Um, it w- I'd have to be pretty needy well, yeah. to put him in there. Unfortunately, um, a lot of us might be. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm pretty – I tended to go in my redraft leagues anyway. I tended to go pretty shallow – at running back and, and stock up more on wide receivers. And so, yeah, if I've been hit completely, I might consider using him as a flex, but I've probably got a better option at, at receiver. And I just think that Gibbs is, I have Gibbs ranked as a top 10 running back myself this week. I have him at number nine. Um, this is a team that's already 10th in the league in running back carries. Jameer Gibbs himself personally is second in the league in running back targets. He's going to get a bigger percentage of the, those top 10 carries I just I think the ceiling the the sky's the limit for him. I'm not that crazy about Craig Reynolds doing a whole hell of a lot with the ball. So, I mean, if you may find yourself in a position and you can flex him this week, I'm just not. It's just so sad we're already here. It's only it's, we're only hitting in the week three. Uh, again, keep your eye on the Ross St. Brown, the injury report. We'll talk more about that with Brian Scott tomorrow at 930 here on this channel. Uh, Drake London is a wide receiver three after a bounce back performance, but I'm still lower than the ECR. I got my 35. I got my 32. I'm not quite ready to make him a mid-level wide receiver three because of one performance that still Desmond Ritter was terrible with. Uh, but Chris, I do want to talk about Josh Reynolds. What's ECR's problem, man? They got him at 54. I have him at ranked at 38. I'll be moving him up further with the whole Brown thing going on. I know he was limited on the practice report himself, Josh Reynolds. That is, uh, they're not really too worried about his availability. But I don't I don't get it, man. He's 13 targets, nine receptions, 146 yards, two touchdowns over the last two games. He's wide receiver 10 on the year so far. They're playing at home. Their offense is always better at home. It's not a scary matchup. And yet everybody wants to just sleep on Josh Reynolds, just remove the name. 
Look at the stats. Are you with me? Am I missing something? No, I think it's, I mean, I think it's, you go back, I think it's seven games now going back to last year. These average seven targets, you know, as that receiver, quote unquote, two in this offense, somebody's got to catch the ball and somebody's not going to be St. Brown every single time. It's not going to be Gibbs every single time. I'm not as high on where I think people, you know, think it's just going to be this, you know, Bijan show for Gibbs in a sense. I think you're going to see that second receiver consistently being involved. Josh Reynolds has that chemistry with Jared Goff going back to the Rams days. And I think you can see, see that carry over. I think ECR is just kind of one is the hate. There's certain guys they like, certain guys they just want to forget about. Josh Reynolds seems to be like, well, I want to forget about, but you shouldn't. Yeah, keep plugging him away at DFS too, by the way. He's been great the last two weeks, and his price is still cheap as hell on DraftKings. Uh, Sam Laporta is getting enough targets to make my top 10. Congratulations. You get over five targets, you make my top 10 as a tight end. We're going to keep rolling with that. Kyle Pitts. I'm done. I'm done with Kyle Pitts. He is my tight end 15. He is, for me at least, and maybe you guys won't agree, but for me. Prepare to be flushed. There is no difference in my mind between him and the other streaming tight ends in that same tier. And I just, it's not his fault. It's Arthur Smith's fault. It's Desmond Ritter's fault. He is too talented to be squandered this way. But that is what's happening. It's been happening for too long to think that it's going to suddenly turn around. Kyle Pitts, no way am I starting him this week. I mean, Adam, help me out here. Would you feel comfortable starting Kyle Pitts ahead of a Cole Komet? No, not really. Adult uh, Kincaid? I, I mean, I've seen even Hunter Henry available on too many waiver wires for me to Number consider. Number one on my waiver wire list again. Yeah. <laughs> for, so for me to consider playing him at this point, I, I, I just can't. Uh, he, he's definitely someone, look, if I'm in, in Dynasty, especially if I'm, you know, in the middle of a rebuild, I'm interested. Um, but, you know, if I'm trying to win games right now, if I'm trying to win this week, then no, I don't think he's sniffing lineups. No, I just none of these guys like the Don Kincaid's is Zach Ertz is Zach Ertz is more valuable than he is right now. David Kylan Granson's more valuable right now. <laughs> this is insane. Pat Frymuth has been terrible in his own right. At least he has a touchdown. Sam Laporta. None of those guys would I play him against. There's no ways of starting tight end for me. It's a real shame. And it's just a shame that he's getting wasted the way that he is. Hey, Chris, yeah, you, you ready, buddy? It's our new drop that we have, the domination defense defense. of the week. Chris, who is our streaming defense for the week? So my dominating defense for the week for a streamer is going to go with, um, did we have a selection from somebody on on our panel that I missed? Because I hadn't seen the the, the sign-in today, no? No. No. It's hoping you had somebody. I have somebody if you need. Well, tell me who you thought you, you were thinking. I'm thinking the Patriots because Zach Wilson, the turnover machine himself, the Patriots are widely available in a lot of leagues right now, still to be streamed. So I'm going all in on the Patriots as far as my stream defense of the week. I like it. I think you can look at that game, but either way, some people got kind of cold on the Jets as well, who didn't look as good as that first game, had an okay game defensively last week. So the Jets or the Patriots are the one of those two defenses available. I think either one of them could be a dominating defense. If I can get my hands on the Jets defense, I prefer to do so. Look, the Jets are playing for their season, so are the Patriots. But I think you're going to see some sacks and some turnovers. Soft line for the Patriots is really struggling. I know the Jets' offensive line isn't very good either. 
But that front, that defense on the Jets is not as bad as it's played. And I think they're going to kind of come out hungry versus that Patriot defense offense. Yeah, well, well, just both defenses, I agree with you, are plays this week. So there you go. There's your domination defense streams of the week. So let's head into our next matchup. We got the Saints taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored here at home at minus two. The over-under set at 42. I get that they are the home team in this instance, but for me... I am not going to be on the Green Bay Packers. Give me the Saints outright as my underdog pick of the week. I think they are the better team on both sides of the ball. The Packers are still trying to get healthy. Speaking of, Aaron Jones still not practiced today. Christian Watson did do some work, so maybe he's trending back in the right direction. We got to wait and see what's going on over there. Jamal Williams is going to miss. We'll talk about the Saints backfield in just a second. I'm not, I don't know about you guys. I'm not playing any either one of these quarterbacks this week, especially in, you know, a regular one quarterback man 12 team league so we're going to skip through that and Aaron Jones we have to wait to see what his health availability is going to be obviously he's available you play him but let's speak a little bit about AJ Dillon Chase you and I had already talked about this on uh Sunday nights when we recap the show so let me get Adam here uh Dillon I think is terrible at football Adam I don't care if Aaron (laughs) Jones is on the field or not plain and simple 3.7 yards per carry only one target with Aaron Jones out of the way he should have been the bell cow he was anything but this team needed to lean on the running game because they had a lack of wide receivers available and still AJ Dillon could do nothing and what was at least a middle of the pack option uh, a matchup last week so I hate AJ Dillon I have him ranked at RB 35 right now just in anticipation that maybe Aaron Jones doesn't go but otherwise he's gonna be well outside my top 36 and I'm treating him as nothing but a handcuff moving forward after this are you as low as me or no yeah I agree and to be honest with you I had meant to bring the splits to the show I did not pull it um but the dude has never done anything in August, September, <laughs> October. Well, now, once we start getting November, December, now that's where things get interesting. But early in the year has never been his time. Uh, sometimes that's the case with these bigger backs. I don't, I, I don't think he's washed as a talent. Uh, but right now, I don't feel super comfortable playing him. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's any more than the three, and that's if Aaron Jones doesn't play. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of terrible backfields this week, Chase, uh, Tony Jones Jr. And uh, look, I like Kendra Miller a lot, but he's a rookie running back who's missed a lot of time being injured. I don't know how big of a role he can really handle his first week in here. So I have him as somebody who's ranked at RB 49. I'm not playing him. I have Tony Jones Jr. at RB 42 because I had to twist my arm into doing so. 2.8 yards of carry last week. He happened to fall in the end zone twice. And let's think about it this way. I'm pretty sure Taysom Hill is probably going to factor in this running game this week. And now Kamara comes back next week. So are you touching anything in the Saints backfield? I don't really want to. If I'm forced to choose between the two, I would go with Miller because he is up against the clock. He's got an assignment due next week, and uh, and he hasn't done any work on in the last two weeks. So he really has to get in there and show what he can do if he wants to have any kind of a role once uh, Jamal Williams and uh, Alvin Kamara are both back. Uh, Tony Jones Jr., listen, I don't want any part of him. Uh, the only time in his career – that he's ever had, you know, as many carries as he had last week was in 2021 versus Buffalo. He had 16 carries for all of 27 yards and no scores. 
for his career. He's 10 of 18 uh, receiving for 59 yards. He's just, if he was worthy of a bigger role than that, he would have gained a bigger role than that somewhere down the line. This team themselves jettisoned him and let him go and wander all over the West for a while, literally the West as he screwed around with the Denver practice squad for a while. Then they brought him back. Um, yeah, I, I don't want any part of him for sure. Uh, I, if I'm forced between the two, I want Kendra Miller. But like I said, I've got Miller at 40. I've got Tony Jones at 42. Neither one of them is going to see anything, any kind of work for me whatsoever. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, Chris Olave, let's hit the over on that. 65 and a half receiving yards. He went over that the last two games in a row. The Packers just allowed Drake London in that terrible Atlanta Falcon pass attack to him to get over his yards mark last week. So I like Chris Olave. He's becoming more of a stud every single week. Michael Thomas, of course, falls into your flex category. Chris, let's talk about a little Romeo Dobbs here. Now, I don't know if Christian Watson's going to play or not. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. But I'm still a little bit lower than ECR heading into this week on Romeo Dobbs. I got him at wide receiver 47. His ECR has been at 44. Either way, kind of looking like he's outside that flex play. Not really excited to play anybody against the Saints defense that looks pretty good right now. And while Dobbs' playing time increased, it was still mediocre mediocre with the target share that he was getting for the routes run. I just don't trust this passer, pa, uh, Packers passing attack just yet. So I'm benching Romeo Dobbs. What, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I think there's some better options on your team that you probably would look for that, but I think he's a decent flex option, if nothing less or nothing more. Um, I think when you look at the Saints offense that your Saints defense that you're facing, it's been pretty good. You talked about, but Adam Thielen had some yards, had a couple of touchdowns, or had a touchdown. Um, you can move the ball. This isn't the same Lattimore we've seen in the past. So there's different ways to kind of get the ball down the field. I think Dobbs is going to be more involved than he was last week. Uh, you saw a lot of Jake Reed. I don't know if Watson's going to play or not. I think Watson plays it actually helps Dobbs, but you're going to have to move the ball, and it's hard to run the ball on first to scenes. You guys talked about A.J. Dillon, so somehow Green Bay's going to try to attack that team. I think they're going to have to throw the ball if they're going to move the ball consistently. I think Dobbs is a, a decent flex option, but if you have a better option, then go ahead and play it. I'm not really interested in either of the tight ends. I will say Taysom Hill's a little bit of a dart throw because if he does get involved in the rushing game, who knows, he might fall into the end zone for one there. So that's always kind of a, a consideration to take here. Uh, let's see. Good to see you guys. Football's back, baby. Good to see you too, QF Stops. Thanks for the shout-out, buddy. Let's go ahead and head into our next matchup. <laughs> All right, we got the Denver Broncos and the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are at home for this one, minus six and a half with an over-under of 48, a higher over-under, frankly, than I was expecting. I know the Broncos did put up some points last week against the Commanders. I just kind of felt like that was more luck than actual skill by them, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we do Miami can, can put up some points and can score, though. I'm going to lean towards the Miami side, covering a six and a half at home. As far as injuries go, Jalen Waddle dealing with concussion. There doesn't seem to be much concern. He was out there warming up today, technically didn't practice, but sounds like Mike McDaniel expects him to be able to go. And Savant Ahmed has a groin issue to thin out this backfield even more. Let's talk about Tua Tagovailoa though, and I'm going to go back to Chris real quick, guys, and then Adam Chase. I'll get back to you. But Chris is our defendant Tua Tagovailoa guy, so I have to get him in whenever I talk about Tua, especially when I have him ranked well below ECR. I still have his top 12 play, but I have him at 11 when ECR has him at six. 
I, I look, I know Denver's defense statistically is not putting up the numbers you would expect. I still think they're a good defense and it's a small sample size in this one. And then Wild's availability, of course, kind of plays into this a little bit. But we saw Tua kind of do just enough to beat the Patriots last week because the offense couldn't put up a ton of points. The offense did just enough for the Miami side. I think something similar could happen again this week against Denver. I'm not super excited about Tua. I do have him starting, but I'm not ready to make him an elite quarterback option. Chris, are you reading this differently? When you talk about elite, what do you mean by elite? Is well, like top, ECR has been top six. six. Do you think it's a top six play this week? I think that he definitely could be argued to be one of the top six quarterbacks. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, go ahead and make your case, sir. I think when you look at the consistency of the quarterback play so far this season, two has been one of the more consistent guys, number one, of all the different quarterbacks. Number two, Look at a passing attack. You talked about Denver's defense being better than it's shown. I agree talent-wise. Rex Ryan agrees with us talent-wise as well. <laughs> the problem is what we're seeing is Vance Joseph is being Vance Joseph, not the one we saw being aggressive for their Cardinals. We've seen this one playing soft zones and getting lit up. Where Sam Howell, Dan, Sam Howell had 299 yards passing. They made him look like he was God in the third quarter, fourth, third and fourth quarter, basically. So I think Tua Tagaloa at home, not in New England, but at home in Miami versus a Denver team that will be hungry, but I'm not impressed with the defense. I think they can score some points against that Miami off, Miami defense personally. So I think two is going to be able to be definitely in the top 10, possibly that top five. And I think we look at the guy you can maybe bank on, hopefully being a top option. I think when he's one of the more consistent guys you can trust this week. I think it's a small sample size. Denver defense is talented. As far as consistency goes, he went from QB1 the first week to QB26 in the second week. I don't look at that as far as being consistent. Did he throw 83 yards yet? Has he thrown for a buck 15? Has he thrown three interceptions? There's terribleness. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you this question. Yeah. You I didn't think it was terrible. <laughs> well, that's what we've seen for the other guys. Josh Allen, three interceptions week one. Um, tell me the guys that you love. Justin Fields is doing what? Lamar Jackson is doing what? Patrick Mahomes scored 17 points last week for Jacksonville. So I'm going to go back to, like I said, consistency-wise, yes, maybe not talking about where he finished fantasy-wise, but as a guy you can bank on getting at least 50 yards and probably two touchdowns. Right now, outside that Viking-Chargers game, who else are you guaranteed to get that out of quarterbacks this week? Kirk Cousins. That was that one was for Chase. Outside the Vikings Chargers game. <laughs> uh yeah, we get all right, so we can move on from that one. Uh Russell Wilson, QB. I have him at QB 18. I'm in line with ECR there. Not really interested in playing Russell Wilson. Do you want to talk about Raheem Mostert? So I'm a, I'm a little bit lower in ECR that with Raheem Mostert. They're making him a top 12 running back play this week. I'm not quite ready to make that leap. Although if Teron Armstead does come back this week, it'll it will help with that a little bit. Uh, I do him at RB 15, though. So regardless, he's in your lineup, you're playing him. He's been been the top five running back through the last two weeks. He's had three touchdowns in that time, just going off left and right, and he's getting all the volume. Now Savant Ahmed is out. I guess I more want to talk about Raheem Moser from this standpoint. Adam, is there any chance you find a way to sell him high now, or are you just holding on? Uh, I, I think it depends on the situation, but I mean, a lot of the spots that I have him, I have him as a flex guy anyways, right? Like, he in all of the rosters where I, I got him. That's where you drafted him, yeah. Right, that, that's where I drafted him. He, I have running backs in front of him. So, for me, I, I just kind of want to ride it out because that's those are wins. If I have a top, uh, an RB1, RB2, like flex, you know, in that discussion, right? If I have that in my flex, uh, then I, 
I'm winning those games unless someone else is putting up thuds. And even then, I mean, one of my games, I, I on the T Higgins zero ball, I still won because guys like Mostert and the flex, you just get such an advantage. So yeah, I, I want to keep him. Uh, definitely there's situations where, you know, maybe I went zero RB and maybe he's my RB two, then it, it gets a little dicey and I want to, trade him for something with a little more long-term full season value. But in a lot of situations, uh, I, I think you keep him. If you've got him as your wide, if you've got him as your running back too, though, cause you went zero RB, if you've got him as your running back too, what are you going to trade? That's going to upgrade you really at the running back position. You should already be set in your wide receiver room. I, I like, was trading, you, I was trading you, for Jonathan Taylor. And I think that was, that was the point that I was going to make. I would but trade is anybody going to make that trade. I think if you're he was drafted enough, as running back 41. Chase, we just talked about Craig Reynolds being a top 36 play potentially or even top 38 according to your rankings because how desperate people are not, running not, back. But that's position. not trading him. That's not tra- that's for this week. That's not trying to trade the guy My for the rest of the year. point is how desperate people are right now at the running back position. And, and I'm not saying you trade Raheem Moser for a one-for-one one here. That's not necessarily what I suggest. But packaging package him more him, with something package him, yeah. and, and doing that, that's more what I do. When I look to sell guys off, I usually don't look for one-for-ones. I usually look to look, package them to improve something. Is it a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end I'm looking to improve? And I package them with something and sell them off for that kind of a value. That's more I'm getting at when you call it. So, no, a one-for-one, I don't know, probably not. But a package deal, that could be really enticing for teams that are desperate at running back right now. So, in that sense, that's where I sell. Yeah, I, I liked Adam's original point that, like, okay, yeah, you drafted him as a as a low flex or bench depth option anyway, and that can be a real win for your team. I just... I don't know that you're going to find anybody else. If you package him, yeah, that's one thing. But you're, yeah, you have to then. If 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 you're relying on him already as a running back too, you have to bring in something to take the place on a running back too, and that's going to have to be part of a package. You're going to have to dig into some of that wide receiver depth. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know how much you're going to find out, how much interest you're going to find out there, because I just think that people are people are are leery of Raheem Mostert based on his his injury history, based on the presence of Devon Achain, based on a whole myriad of factors, including it's still early enough in the season that people have not been willing to let go of ADP yet. Mm, I think people are starting, especially if you're 0-2 right now with some of the disappointments we have, people are, people are starting to flake out there. Uh, Morgan Man Sports commenting in. What's up, guys? I feel like Drake London will have a breakout game in regards to fantasy, and I have Kyle Pitts as a dark horse to break out in some fantasy points as well. Uh, I love easy money, and I'm taking the Falcons at the 143 money line this <laughs> week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I definitely have Detroit cover in that game. I think that Detroit is the better team, especially we have not seen the Falcons on the road yet. Surprisingly, 0-2. What do I do with this lineup? We'll talk We'll talk QFs, uh, QF stops. We'll talk about that uh, right after we go to our next matchup. Morgan, man, just to talk with you. Um, yeah, I disagree with you completely on Kyle Pitts, as we made clear on this show earlier uh but maybe drake london has a chance let's uh we have to move on here javante williams continues to be a high in rb3 low in rb2 same thing with samaja perine in that flex territory obviously you love tyree kill and jalen waddle you play him if he clears concussion protocol let's talk a little Cortland sutton here chris i got him at ranked at 44 ecr has him at 42 i actually talk about both denver bronco wide receivers in this one because i don't want to play either one Miami's defense has been pretty good against the wide receivers in the first two weeks. First and foremost, Russell Wilson, not only is he not playing well, and I, I look last week, 
was a deceiving stat line. He didn't look good in that game. And he's spreading the ball out on top of it. He's not even focusing the targets in on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to begin with. Are you going to play either one of these guys this week, even though it's a high over-under? I mean, I think it depends. It goes back to the Dobbs point. What do you have as your other options? I mean, if you look at it as a flex option or receiver three in some of these you know, 12-team leagues, might be somebody you're okay playing because Cortland Sutton has a decent floor. They're going to have to score some points versus Miami. I think Miami's going to go out there and score you know, 10 points. Uh, Russ has been pushing the ball down the field. I know he's been spreading it around, but Sutton gets involved. Judy's been, you know, just came back week one. There's no other guys that you're really worried about stealing their touches in a sense, where I understand, you know, Johnson had that kind of fluke touchdown at the end of the game. Other than that, he only had one other catch for a touchdown. Midland's um, had two big plays, but only played about 20 snaps um, after playing only a handful of the week before. So when you see the guys in the usage, there is no great voltage out there you're going to have to score versus Miami team. I think the secondary is pretty good, but this, but this defense hasn't been lights out by any stretch of the means. So I think Denver is going to have, you know, one of the receivers are going to be involved. And I think that either one can play as a flex option receiver three. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't, don't totally disagree with that, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing here. Let's go to our next. Match. The biggest over-under of the week, the Chargers against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Chargers are favored at minus one. This is a game I don't think it matters who's favored. It just doesn't matter. What I care about is the 54 over-under. That's what I care about. Now, before we get to this game, we do have a couple questions I want to get to here. Uh, we have QF stops. Talking about how he's surprisingly 0-2. His tight ends are Hurst and Fryermuth. And quarterback is Jordan Love. And so I, I don't see the question in there. I just see a statement. And uh, it's not really that surprising or 0-2 if that's part of your team. I don't know the rest of your team, but that's not a great start that you could be in with. So uh, keep saying this if you have any other questions for that one. Let's talk about this game, though. So Justin Herbert, you got him. You start him. By the way, also looking to cash the over. His passing yards set at 278 and a half passing yards. Minnesota, second most passing yards allowed last year. They're on a similar streak again this year. Justin Herbert has been over that three of the last four games, so go ahead and plug in Justin Herbert over 270 and a half passing yards. Kirk Cousins! Do you want to talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins? I also want to cash him. He's got 290 and a half passing yards as his player prop. He's been the number one quarterback in fantasy so far this season. This game's at home. It's during the day. It's the largest over-under game script of the week. And guess what? He's been over that mark his last two games. So we're cashing the over on Kirk Cousins. And of course, you're playing him. Austin Eckler has still not been practicing with the ankle issue. We have to see what happens there. Finally, we get to somebody who's worth talking about, Adam, and that's Alexander Madison with the whole Cam Akers deal. I know we talked about this a little bit with the question we had at the beginning of the show, but just kind of break it down for people, everybody, in, that are looking at this matchup for this you know, part, this segment of this episode. When you look at Alexander Madison, now paired up with Cam Akers, how do you evaluate this backfield moving forward? I think Madison's your, you know, your receiving back. I think Akers is going to get the early down work. Uh, I think they're going to trust Madison more to pass block. When I talked earlier, again, Akers is, has just never been it at pass blocking. Uh, he's never been really trusted to do so. Um, and look, when we talked about other teams, it was one way, right? It's like, all right, the running guy is going to have more value. I think in, in this situation, this Minnesota team is based around passing the ball, and especially in this matchup, they're going to be passing the ball. Madison's going to be the guy that is out there a lot more. Obviously, Akers still would need to figure out the offense. Now, O'Connell, there's familiarity, of course, so it's not going to be a crazy. I wouldn't be shocked uh, if Akers did play a little bit 
but because of that, because he's going to have some familiarity already. But all of that to say, I think Madison is still the snap leader in almost every game, uh, you know, for the immediate future. Uh, I, I do think this maybe takes away something in the red zone, um, but Madison just hasn't been an effective rusher anyway. So I don't really think it changes too much. I think you're going to, the things he's doing effectively now, he's going to continue to do effectively. And the things he was struggling with before, he's going to do a little bit less. So, yeah. The one thing I want to I want to point out here is that he's had two tough matchups in a row. The Tampa Bay Bucks and the Philadelphia Eagles are not two teams that give up a lot of rushing yards to begin with. So, I do want to give him a little bit of a, a leeway there. And as far as this week is concerned, Cam Akers just got in the building. I'm not changing my ranking of him being an RB two uh, this upcoming week. I'm not changing. I want to I want to talk with Alexander Madison real quick though. Here's the thing about Alexander Madison. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. They brought him back. They let Dalvin Cook go, but they didn't bring him back with a ton of fanfare. I mean, this is a team that in the last couple of years has drafted Kenny Nwangwu in the anticipation of Dalvin Cook being gone, drafted Ty Chandler in anticipation of being gone, uh, made another draft pick this year in anticipation of him being gone. Then they bring in, they jumped all over Miles Gaskin as soon as he was released by the, by the Miami Dolphins, and now they make a trade to bring in Cam Akers. This is not a team that necessarily is as sold on Alexander Madison as a lot of people in the fantasy uh, world were coming into the season. None of those moves screams like total confidence in Alexander Madison himself. Now, yet your point is made. He's faced two pretty good defenses in terms of his fantasy production so far, but in terms of his fantasy future, yeah, I yeah for this week I've got him at seventeen. He's a startable player this week because of the role that he's going to have currently. But I think that as time goes on, it remains to be seen whether he can actually hang on to that, especially if he continues to be as inefficient as he has been. I think their minds changed on him. I do because yeah. they gave him an extension, yeah. which is something to be said in today's day and age for right. a guy or running back who hadn't proved himself. They gave him an extension, but I think their minds changed on him as as the training camp and as the season progresses. And I, I agree with you. That's why I do have some concern with Alexander Madison now, especially Cam Akers in the building. Uh, what about Joshua Kelly? I got him ranked at RB twenty two. I'm not anticipating Eckler to play, frankly, because he didn't practice today. I mean, we'll see, but I kind of thought if he was going to play, he would have been out there today, or at least doing something in a limited capacity. I feel like this is a default. You're an RB two because of the match because the Minnesota Vikings. It's like it should be juicy. Chris, help me out here. I mean, like 13 carries, 39 yards. He proved he was every bit the Joshua Kelly he was before, not what we saw in Week One. So, I mean, I don't know. Would you play Joshua Kelly if you had to, or would you find other options? Somewhere? Well, I mean, I, I'll ask you this, Dan, because I feel like I understand not like Joshua Kelly's talent. I'm not a big fan either, but I can't say the last week kind of turned me off on him. He played Tennessee's deep. Defense. Tennessee's defense hasn't run against anybody. They number one run defense last year against the running back position, even though they were a horrible team. So I think that's just something to kind of keep in mind that he wasn't going to necessarily excel in that game. DeAndre Swift went crazy versus Vikings defense because the Vikings played a lot to stop the pass, particularly the big plays down the field, played a lot of you know small lineups basically going with a lot of nickels and dimes, taking out linebackers, taking out had a play where they had one or two defensive linemen playing. So if that's going to be the case. What we saw the Chargers do versus the Dolphins was if you're going to take away the big passing play and give us the run, we'll take it. Joshua Kelly had a big game. Eckler had a big game. This offensive line's better than the chart. A lot of people think it is for the Chargers overall, too. Moving Johnson back to his familiar side of the guard position has opened up a lot of holes. I think Joshua Kelly's a good play this week. I think people are kind of, you know, looking at last week thinking, oh, he just has Joshua Kelly's scrub. 
I'm not going to say he's good or bad, but I say it's his Viking defense who's going to probably gear to stop away Justin Herbert in big plays. You're going to see a lot of light fronts, and Joshua Kelly's going to see a lot of easy opportunities to kind of eat. Big problem with 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 Kelly as a handcuff to Austin Eckler, if, if that's the direction people are trying to go, though, or thinking he's a one-for-one plug-in. This oh, team no, will yeah. not throw to – they do not throw to Joshua Kelly, and they no, throw all point. damned day long to Austin Eckler, and so that's that's – a big part of the depression of his value too. But this, this, the one thing I will say though, is to kind of Chris's point, if he can't do it in this matchup, he's never, where are you going to do it? Yeah. He's yeah. never going to do it. Uh, well, and real quick, Chase, Austin Eckler went number two for most people's drafts too. So it's not like you're looking for, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you you're know, not expecting kind of return. But, but like my, my point is like in the past across the field, Alexander Madison taking over for Dalvin cook, they didn't necessarily change their offense a ton and they plugged their guy in one for one. They don't necessarily have that. They don't have anything in their backfield that can even come close to replicating what Austin Eckler can do in their passing game. Isaiah Spiller's not that guy. Kelly's not that guy. They, they just, they don't have that. that well, the kid they drafted this year is a lot like that, but that he's not going to be necessarily. And he got, and he got what, two, two catches last week. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they just, that, that off, that, Part of their offense goes away without Eckler, which is a big problem in terms of, yeah, trying to to recoup any kind of value out of Kelly. But yeah, I've got him as an I've got him as a running back too this week as well. So. Yeah, yeah, kind of have to. Uh, Justin Jefferson's going to smash. Keenan Allen, who's been on fire, is going to smash. And Mike Williams needs to be in your lineups as a wide receiver too, as well. Before we talk about Jordan Addison a little bit, let's get to our QF stops question here. Uh, he gives us his team. He's got Lamar and Love and all these players. He wants to figure out how to get a W with this lineup. So, uh, Adam, help me out here. Just run it through. Let's, let's pretend this is one quarterback, two running backs, a receiver, a tight end. Who are you playing? Who are you starting out of this lineup? Uh, it's definitely Lamar. I think the touchdowns are going to come. This is actually the best I've seen him pass in his career, and that's including his MVP season. On tape, he looks fantastic. It, the fantasy points are going to come. Uh, Kenneth Walker, feel good about. The running back position is kind of tough. Um, skip that for a second. I'm definitely going uh, Garrett Wilson, Mike Evans, and A.J. Brown. I would love to get Zay Flowers in there as well, especially with Lamar, if I could flex him. I don't want to start him over any of those three guys I mentioned, but if there's a flex spot or something available uh, to you, then I would love to play Zay Flowers. Uh, otherwise, obviously don't. Um, and then of the tight ends, I would love to, to see what you have on the waiver wire because I don't feel super confident of those guys I'm playing, Friarmuth, but I, I would love to poke around. Uh, and then RB, I would kind of love to poke around as well, uh, but I guess if I'm forced to, it's going to be Walker and um, I almost want to say Algier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would go, I would play James Cook. I, I think you yep. have to play James Cook this week. Uh, that would be my RB2 uh, for me, as much as I'm not a big fan of James Cook, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But I do Honestly, like he's lineup. He's got moves he could make there. He could try and package one of those running back Absolutely. twos that he currently has with Garrett Wilson. See if somebody will bite on that name category. Upgrade yourself at running back. You've still got a ton of depth. Be, it's only week three. Be patient. But well, at it's the funny, same he's got time, Garrett Wilson and Rashad White. I actually just packaged in a league that I'm in. I packaged Garrett Wilson and Rashad White boom. for Jalen Waddle, and I feel great about it. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you could definitely do some things about that. Um, let's talk about, let's get back to this game and talk about Jordan Addison. 
who even though he's still playing behind KJ Osborne playing time, it's clear he's the second most talented wide receiver on that team. And because the volume is so high in Minnesota, already the fourth most in the NFL, they were the most last year. There's enough volume, I think, for everybody to eat. TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, and and, and Jordan Addison included. Uh, Adam, do you think this is the time where we start plugging Addison into our flexes uh, moving forward? I, I think so. Just uh, well, first of all, this game script, even if I wasn't moving forward going to do it, I would want to do it for this week regardless. <laughs> but uh, I, I think so, anyways. I, he's always been a talent wise guy who I, I thought would pretty quickly become the, the clear two here. Uh, and, and the way this offense has been operating, um, I, I think there are three options that can be fantasy viable as far as the receivers go. And I think it's going to be obviously Jefferson, obviously Hawkinson. Uh, and I think there's room for Addison as well. I think he's one, he's talented Two, this passing offense has been great so far this year. So but between those two things uh, and, and a lot of good matchups on their schedule, I feel confident with Addison. All right. Obviously you're playing TJ Hawkinson. Joe Everett's still going to ride the bench for me guys. Do you want to bet the over on this game? Just so we have something to hopefully pump up and look forward to. We get a little arena game going here. I think we're going to get the over on the 54. Anybody? No. I don't know if it's a wise bet, but I might do it just so that I have a good game to watch or like something. I'm going to do it just so we have a little bit of excitement (laughs) here. Let's just do it that way. Uh, Let's go with our next match. I wanted to do that because our next matchup is the Patriots and Jets, which is the lowest over under of the week at 36 and a half. Uh, Chris, you already mentioned both these defenses that you want to play this week, and that's a big reason why right there. Um, I think that number is actually about right. You're talking about a 27, 20 to 17 game. Maybe, maybe not. I'm actually not going to bet the over or under on that, but the Patriots are favored at minus three here on the road on the road against the Jets. So, you know what? I'm actually... I'm going to take the Jets at home to upset the New England Patriots here. It was Dallas last week. It was Dallas last week. And I think they'll remember to run the football this week against the Patriots. That was their biggest bugaboo. Speaking of the Jets running backs, Chris, help me out here. Brees Hall, it was disappointing last week. It turned. It looked like it turned to a three-man committee. He shared snaps with Michael Carter. Dalvin Cook had the most at 17. Michael Carter and Brees Hall split at 15 apiece. And now I'm starting to feel like this is going to be a three-man committee until Brees Hall takes over. I don't even know what to do. Right now, I got him still at a flex spot, ranked as my RB28. Are you just going to avoid this backfield altogether? Are you still going to play Brees Hall as a flex? First, the Patriots, I'm still going to probably play Brees Hall as a flex option. I think the squeaky wheel gets some oil this week. Now, I do have some concerns about, you know, it paying off long term because we know that Nathaniel Hackett's a moron. We watched him in Denver last year that we he rotated guys until he got a 37-year-old running back in Latavius Murray. So, until Latavius gets cut by Buffalo and winds up signing with the Jets at some point, we're going to see probably three or four running backs being rotated in New York for no reason. Brees Hall is clearly the most talented guy. Brees Hall is the guy of the future. There's going to be a lot of pressure to kind of be put on the Jets team to use their best players. I think versus the Patriots is a team that you can still run up all the speed. So it's going to be hard for them to kind of set the edges against. You saw Raheem Mostert run, you know, all over that defense. Now it's not going to be the same thing because the Patriots were, you know, basically trying to take away Tyree Kill. But you do see that you can get running attack on this game. Kenneth will have a pretty decent game for the Eagles versus Patriot defense. Um, so I think overall, I, I'm, I'm confident going with Brees Hall as a flex option this week. 
And that's why I have them right there. But just to your point, I literally have a note in the outline that says dealing with Hackett, not understanding what their identity should be is the most frustrating part about this because Dallas got chasing you. Really like no, listen, pop. listen, Matt Canada, every time he gets called in to Mike Tomlin's offense, starts off the conversation with, geez, did you see what the Jets did this weekend? Because that's <laughs> we he's so it? thankful that there's another offensive coordinator in the Northeast that looks as flipping terrible as he does. Nathaniel, that was a one score game at halftime last week versus the, the Cowboys. It was a one score. It was 18 to 10 at halftime. They came out and here's, here's, here's their, here's their, their drive chart here. They had a three and out. They had a seven, seven play, 22 yard drive that ended at a punt in the first half. They had another three and out. They had the 68 yard, one play touchdown to Garrett Wilson. And then they had an 11 play 59 yard field goal. After halftime, they come in three and out with a penalty. Cooks fumble, another three and out with a sack, and then interception, interception, interception. After the Cook fumble, they ran 19 straight pass plays for the rest of the game. That's what they did. Two sacks, three interceptions, six completions for a total of grand total of 62 yards. He doesn't have any idea what the F he's doing as an NFL offensive coordinator who actually has to call the plays. As an offensive coordinator in Green Bay, yeah, he can help implement the things during the week. That means he's he's helping blow the whistle at, at practice all freaking week. He hasn't done anything as a play caller in this league. He has no idea what to do with any of his running backs. They've got Israel Abanaconda, who at this point is is clearly much more athletic, athletically capable than Dalvin Cook. They haven't had him even active for game days yet. He won't, he refuses to use their top offensive weapons in in hall and and wilson and i know that hall's bit is working back from injury the dude looks like he can run the football let him run the goddamn football it's just uh nathaniel hack is absolutely freaking terrible and it's it's the only thing that's holding this anything on this offense but you could say what you want about zach wilson zach wilson all he would have he can take a snap all he's got to do is take the snap, turn around and hand it to the guy that would have been the freaking offensive rookie of the year last year if he hadn't blown his knee up. i just Real, real quick, Dan, because we're having the Packer guy going off about this. Let's add another Packer guy. Luke Getze is another guy who's just a moron, too. So I think it just becomes something. Well, Chris, because they're not offensive coordinator. All of the guys that were OC for Aaron Rodgers and got jobs off of it are bums. <laughs> they were all third. They were all the third string running the offense because they were behind Matt LaFleur and freaking Rodgers. There's was, never been a guy come out of that offensive coaching system that was an offensive coordinator in real life. Yeah, I, I was going to say, guys, I think there's a secret meeting where Luke Getze and Nathaniel Hackett and Matt Canada <laughs> and Arthur Smith all attend every single week and say, how are we going to screw the bed this this week and to make the offenses look absolutely freaking terrible? Oh, yeah, the Luke Getze call especially. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Abandoned ship! I'm selling. As I already laid it out earlier in the show, actually, I packaged him and Rashad Way. I got Jalen Waddle in a league that I'm playing in. He cannot sustain the fantasy production he's had the last two weeks with Zach Wilson. You can't expect him to take a slant to the house for 70 yards to save his day. The eight targets is fine, but the consistency, the usage, the productivity, it's not going to be there as long as Zach Wilson's starting quarterback. Maybe the Jets get wise and they finally pivot off of it. But until that happens, I am looking to sell Garrett Wilson while he's still riding high on two productive weeks where he had two touchdowns while I still can. Because once that ship sails, I think it's going to sail. 
I like everyone wants to point out Garrett Wilson had 1,100 yards last year. Zach Wilson was part of that. Not in the games where Zach Wilson played, he wouldn't have gotten 1,100 yards. There's a big difference. So I'm out on him. Adam, you know, you want to chime in here? Are you selling out on Garrett Wilson? You have more hope than I do for the future. Uh, I have more hope than you do that a quarterback change might come. Uh, I, I think that they are playing to compete. I don't think the plan was ever for Zach Wilson to play this year. Obviously, it was for Aaron Rodgers to play. But, like, I think the plan for Zach Wilson was to sit this year and learn what a real quarterback did. Um, I think that sooner or later they'll realize that nobody is benefiting from Zach Wilson playing right now, including Zach Wilson. He doesn't benefit from this. This is He's playing with a crap OC. He's playing with a scheme not built for him. Nobody benefits from this. So I, I don't know. I, I think at some point or another, something's got to give with the Jets at quarterback. Um, they've not been shy to bench him before. Uh, I don't see why that wouldn't change now. That being said, uh, I don't know. I, I guess if I'm relying on that spot for fantasy points, especially, which in a lot of situations are going to be because he was drafted fairly high. Uh, yeah, I, I would be wanting to move off of him just because, you need those points now. You can't wait till the trade deadline when a, a Minshew or a Brissett come in. Well, and I think that's my problem is they have to make a move because in years past, they could pivot to a Joe Flacco. They could, jip, they could pivot to a, a Mike White. Tim Boyle ain't going to be any better, so they have to make a move to bring a quarterback in. I think that's what has me all queasy about it. Uh, Hunter Henry, number one tight end so far this year, my number seven this week, a must play, and you better have picked him up off the waiver wire. He's in my rankings again next week. I'm going to scream at everybody. Uh, let's move on to our next matchup. <laughs> We got the Buffalo Bills taking on the Washington Commanders in Washington, and the Bills are still favored at minus six and a half points with an over-under at 44 and a half. They look like they got things moving back in the right direction against the Raiders offensively last week. Jo- Josh Allen right now is a 259 and a half passing prop mark, and I'm going to go ahead and hit the over on that against the Commanders after watching Russell Wilson actually put up numbers against the Commanders last week. Uh, we're still not playing Sam Howell, let's talk about James Cook. This is another guy that I think people are just boosting up way too much. ECR's got him at RB11. I have him at RB19. Yes, you're playing him this week as an RB2, but he's still not getting opportunities inside the goal line. He did play a little bit more on third downs, a two-minute drill, but still was sharing those duties with Latavius Murray. In games that he doesn't score 100 yards, he has a low basement floor to his range of outcomes. And that's my problem with James Cook. So Chase, are you looking to try to sell high on James Cook or what's your expectations here? Actually, I'm I'm not. I kind of like holding on to him because you drafted him as a running back too. And I think he's going to give you running back two production. And I think he's going to give you just fine production going forward here. I think the uh, red zone usage is going to even out. Listen, this is an offensive line that, that last week hit a, they had they had over two yards before contact. They were fifth fifth best in the league last week uh, at blocking for in the backfield. And we know that he's going to get the bulk of his production is going to have to come between the twenties. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how they're using him. As frustrating as that may be, it, it's not about what you or I think he should, how you or I think he should be used, or how are you when I wish he would used. It's going to get the bulk of his stuff between the twenty. But listen, this this Washington defense they give up the mo- ninth most yards per attempt. Uh, listen. James Cook hasn't scored a flipping touchdown yet. And in PPR format, he's, he's running back nine. 
He's a starting number one running back so far this season through two games without scoring a touchdown. Nobody else, no other running back in the top 20 is scoring is scoreless. Just him. That's going to even out. Even if he has to break one from the freaking 40, it's going to happen at some point. Okay. And I think the red zone use is going to come with, with his continued effective play. They only have one total running back target inside the red zone. This is not a team that has, it's not like they've, they've completely abandoned him inside the, the red zone. They just, they haven't passed to many of their running backs. They're not, he's never going to be a goal line running back. He's not built like a goal line running back. He's never going to be that. Plus he's got a giant golem in, in Josh Allen who plays quarterback in front of him. Who's going to take a lot of those inside the red zone as well. But I think that red zone usage is going to even out as he continues to prove that he's an effective running back and is an effective player. And you know, Hey, there's nothing saying that he won't pop a couple from the 17 and he's not going to get used inside the five, but he'll get used inside the 20. And occasionally those are going to work out for him. I'm, I'm willing to hold on James cook. And I, I think that uh, he's got better days ahead of him. Yeah, that's what they said about Deontay Johnson too. I know he's a wide receiver, but it never really worked out either. I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. James Cook's an RB too. Tweaked his hamstring. <laughs> no, I, I was talking about last year, but that's oh, well, yeah. Uh, Brian Robinson's definitely an RB too. You're playing and starting him. Antonio Gibson at this point is nothing more than a handcuff to me because they're not even really using him in the passing game the way that they should. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 71 and a half receiving yards this week. I think he gets back on track. His floor so far this year was 66. I think he gets over the 71 and a half mark this week. Uh, Terry McLaurin still a wide receiver three at 55 and a half. That's about right. I'm kind of staying away from that. And the same thing with Gabe Davis. He's got a 40 and a half receiving mark. He usually has a big game. He comes back down to earth next game. I'm kind of staying away from him in this matchup too as far as that goes. Chris, let's talk a little Jahan Dotson, shall we? Uh, I have him ranked at wide receiver 39 ecr does him have him inside the top 36 i don't think he needs to be a wide receiver three or a flex play this week i thought he would have the better matchup last week and he only had 22 yards to show for it and he's even been under his player prop mark of 43 and a half last two weeks as well uh sam house is not looking for him enough especially not looking for him the same way carson wentz let's say did in the red zone are you so you have more faith than i do you're gonna play him in the flex or are you kind of keeping him stashed right now um, once again, like I keep saying this a lot, but it depends on what your options are. I'm not super high on him as an option as a flex or a third receiver. I think you can put him in there and expect to have, you know, decent production. What you're talking about and the problem for him is necessarily he's getting out targeted by anybody else. It's just that they are spreading the ball around a lot. They're involved in the tight ends. They're involved in the different receivers. I mean, Terry McGoran's not necessarily eating consistently. So if you're willing to play Terry McGoran's number three receiver, Jahan Dotson could probably affect the option possibly because one of those two guys are going to have a decent game. Um, I think it's, you know, you're not necessarily feeling super excited about it, but depending on what your options are, similar to like a Dobbs, similar to some of those guys where you're hoping to get maybe 70 yards or a touchdown, you have the opportunity to kind of get those numbers. Uh, Dalton Kincaid averaging about four and a half targets a week, and that's enough to make him my tight end 12 for this week because that's how shitty tight ends are. Uh, <laughs> Logan Thomas, unfortunately, had a really bad concussion. I, I hope yeah. he's going to be okay. I'd be shocked to see him out there this week. But he is somebody to keep your eye on because he's actually getting a little bit more usage uh, than I think we were anticipating. So keep your eye on Logan Thomas. Let's move to our next matchup. <laughs> We got a real battle in the AFC South here. The Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Only injuries of note, Zay Jones hurting his knee. We'll get more details on that tomorrow when Brian Scott joins us at 930 at this 
channel. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are favored at minus eight and a half. The over under is at 44. Actually, you know what? I think I like Houston to cover. They've been doing, I think it's going to be a backdoor cover, but they've been doing a pretty good job in enough in garbage time where I think they make this game within eight and a half points, maybe in the fourth quarter. So give me Houston to cover this game right now. Uh, we like Trevor Lawrence. CJ Stroud, while I'm not playing him this week, did make my waiver wire list as a quarterback you want to pick up and stash because of how he well he's been doing, especially in garbage time points. Uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, he's an RB1. Let's have a little Damian Pierce here, Adam. Now, I do actually have him for the first time ever, I think, have him ranked a little bit ahead of the ECR. I got him at RB24. They got him at RB28. And this is more because of the mindset that I have for several other running backs. If you don't show me a pulse this week, I'm going to bury you after this. You're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It should be a good matchup. I know the offensive line's injured for the Houston Texans, but this should be a situation that sets up for an offense in the Houston Texans that has been moving the ball that I feel like he winds up getting a touchdown. So that's why I wanted to put him as an RB2. But when you look at Damian Pierce, what do you see this week? What do you see moving forward? Is he going to not live up to his ADP? Uh, There's a few things there. I I think first and foremost, I would be watching the injury report this week. I want to see, I don't know, maybe three of their starters playing before I want to play Damian Pierce. Uh, They played one starter in the last game. Uh, so if we made it to above half, I think I'd be comfortable because two reasons here. Uh, I like Stroud a lot and to your point, he has been valuable because of the garbage time stuff, but the coaching staff to this point doesn't really seem to be trusting him before garbage time. He had 24 attempts, uh, at the end of the third quarter, I believe, or at least around the minute mark. Um, and I don't know why that's the case. You think that they're down that much. They would be throwing more, but I digress. Uh, I, I think Pierce is going to get touches. I think this is a good matchup for him. So if you get a couple of those uh, linemen in there, I, I agree. Uh, as far as season long, I think eventually they're going to realize that Stroud should be throwing the ball a little bit more. He's like the only thing on this offense functioning the way it should. Um, so that does make me scared. If you do get a good game out of Damian Pierce this week, I would seriously consider uh getting them out of there <laughs> trading away yeah I, I agree with you on that part uh calvin ridley i think will have a bounce back week especially with zay jones banged up still have him as a low-end wide receiver one and i i couldn't figure this part out chase uh ecr hates christian kirk this week he's at wide receiver <laughs> 39 i'm like i'm like what i got him at wide receiver 28 i, I basically haven't moved christian kirk in three weeks so i'm not going to move him this week you, you have another receiver who's banged up he had a bounce back game last week they're going to need him to probably play a little bit more in two receiver sets and attacking houston as a slot is exactly what you do so i don't get why he's not a flex position for more people i, I don't know am i missing something no, you're right about slot. I mean, Zay Flowers had, what, nine out of ten targets. He caught week one against them. And last week, Alec Pierce, he only had five targets. They should have – or not Alec Pierce, I'm sorry, Josh Downs. They should have gone more uh, – the Colts should have gone more at, at at that flex – or at that slot position there against against the Houston Texans defense there. I've got him a little bit ahead of ECR. I've, I don't have him quite as high as you. I've got him at 35. I have him as a – I have him in yeah, wide receiver three, um, which is, I think, about where he's – settling in right now because like we said he doesn't necessarily play in two wide receiver sets now with zay jones doesn't play 
I don't necessarily know how they set those two wide receiver sets up. They don't really have, to be dead honest with you, a whole hell of a lot behind their top. They have a great top three in Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk, but there's not a lot behind them in that wide receiver room. Jamal Agnew, maybe the former slash current slash sometimes running back. Um, Kim Jones, they just, they don't have a whole lot going on there. Um, I think the Jones injury actually doesn't help Christian Kirk because it means that, you know, there's, there's nothing out, there's nothing else out there in those three wide receiver sets to help draw any coverage off of him. So, I mean, I've got him a little higher than ECR. He had a great game last week. I was completely wrong about him. Chris, he made a great call on him last week that it was a game set up for him. Um, and I still love Christian Kirk as a player. I just, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be but he'll be fine. He's yeah, not going to be. He's yeah. He's a wide receiver three in this game. Definitely play him as a wide receiver three. Chris, let's talk a little. We have to talk a little Nico Collins because I have to admit I was wrong on this guy. I thought he was just a dude. But he was just a dude who happened to be on a weak depth chart, and therefore he was going to be the X wide receiver. But now I have to put him all the way up at wide receiver twenty nine. I got you pretty much. You're playing Nico Collins if you're in three receiver or flex sets here. Wide receiver seven through the first two games, uh, negative game scripts. I expect this to be a negative game script. It's boosting the passing volume. Uh, do you agree? You think Nico Collins is going to flame out at some point? So I have to also admit I'm not a big Nico Collins fan, and I'll have to eat a little crow for the first two games through him, although I'm not eating any crow for Damian Pierce's first two games. Um, for Nico Collins, I, I'm with you, Dan, this week, but I want to point out why I kind of end there after this week, and I do think it's kind of something that can flame out. You saw Tank Dell get involved a lot last week as that third receiver replaced Noah Brown in the lineup. He got 10 targets. Nico Collins is bringing double-digit targets the first two weeks. Part of that's you're playing the Ravens and you're playing the Colts. Where do you attack the Colts? Well, they're secondary, particularly on their outside corners because their slot corner is the best corner they have. You can really torch them right now. Ravens are the same thing. They have no Humphrey. They, I mean, you can't even name basically their second corner outside right now. So if you're attacking these teams, you're attacking the outside receivers. You pointed out C.J. Stroud getting a lot of points and kind of junk time. Nico Collins is kind of you know making – Hey, off of that. So he's a guy I think you can kind of start this week. Feel confident because the matchup versus Jacksonville is a good matchup for him. But I think overall, Dio Collins is a guy that I think as season progresses, like Tank Dell is going to want to be in the guy that they look for more often than not in this offense. I think they're going to start going younger. Nico Collins will be a guy I think will be involved, but I think Dio Collins is a guy that I would try to sell high after this week, possibly. Yeah, you know what? I like that because I don't think Nico Collins is a transcendent talent. So I'm with you on usually guys like that tend to flame out as the season goes on. He's uh, seen I a do- lot of usage, and that's why he's relevant right now. He's seen top 20 type usage, and that's why he's relevant. He's because, he's, yeah, he's a receiver. Great. Yeah, agreed. Um, speaking of receivers on the Texans, I just want to mention real quickly Robert Woods. I'm 21 spots ahead of ECR. They have him at 63. I got him at 42. The guy's averaged nine and a half targets over the last two games. I, he's a wide receiver four. I don't know what these people's problem are. And then Tank Dell, I have him as a wide receiver five just because he is still dependent on playing those three receiver sets. We did see his routes jump up to 83% last week after Noah Brown went out and was out of, is out of the lineup. I don't think that's going to matter or change. Tank Dell was the real deal last week, and I think he's just going to climb, stash him if you still have the opportunity to do so. I'm in DFS. I'm in DFS. I'm in yes. DFS. One one thousand percent agree there. Uh, Evan Ingram, you're going to play him as a mid uh, tight end one. I got him at ranked at tight end six this week. And Schultz, all the receivers are getting love, and therefore Schultz, uh, he's 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 dropped. Yeah, I don't even, don't even... Perfect, Chase. That that sums it up perfectly. Let's move seven to our next. Yeah, seven targets that hasn't been accounted for anything. <laughs> Thank you.
He's one of the few guys being targeted and not like getting any productivity to come with it whatsoever, like one and two catches. I feel like it's a tight ends right now, man. That's why I said Dallas got 22 yards last week. It's it's not just not just all <laughs> at least Schultz, it was six so. receptions. Like I can't Schultz can't get more than two receptions off of his targets. So at least you get the half point and full point PPR points on that. Uh, we got a question coming in here from Kenny Stay Trill to start two full point PPR, Puka Nakua, Raheem Moster. Rashad White, Zay Flowers, Kyron Williams, Drake London. This is pretty easy for me. It's Puka Nakua and it's Kyron Williams. I know it's funny when you say that out loud, yeah. but it's that's that's my yeah, that's the that's the no-brainer for me. You guys agree, disagree? No, I've got Kyron Williams as a running back one this week. I've got yeah, I've got Puka up as a running as a fringe wide receiver one or as a high running wide receiver two. It's weird three weeks in to be talking about leaning on and relying on the Los Angeles Rams offense, but Hey, you're without Cooper cup, but here we are. Yeah, no, totally. 100% agree. By the way, this matchup is the Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. Let's hope Anthony Richardson's able to clear concussion protocol. Cause frankly, I don't want to see this game with Gardner Minshew in it. Make it interesting. Let's watch Lamar and Anthony Richardson run all over the field. That's my number one hope. The Ravens, by the way, are favored at minus seven and a half. The over under at 44 besides Richardson's concussion protocol. We also have OBJ with a hurt ankle actually don't really expect him to play this week. That's why Rashad Bateman was on my waiver wire rankings graphic earlier this week. And Justice Hill apparently has turf toe. So we're not expecting him to play this week, which is why the Ravens brought in Kenyon Drake. Shows you what they think about Melvin Gordon. So don't know why they bothered to sign Melvin Gordon if they weren't even going to play him in this situation. But that's where we are right now. So with that, obviously, you're playing Lamar Jackson if Anthony Richardson plays, you play him as a top 10 play. Let's hope that's the case. Let's talk about Gus Edwards with all developing this. Now, I got him at RB29 at the moment. That'll change if Justice Hill, in fact, is ruled out, which is what we're leaning towards at the moment. I'll probably bump him up. I don't think he'll crack my top 24, but he might get pretty close to that number. As far as being a must-start, definitely will be a flex play. Uh, but even I mean, this is what I wanted to talk about, Chris. Even without the Justice Hill injury, did it just not seem to you that Gus Edwards showed last week that he's by far the superior runner of the team? Yes, Hill will get the passing work and all that, but there's not much passing work to the running backs in this offense anyway. But Gus Edwards just looks so much better as a runner than Justice Hill did, or do you not see it that way? No, I think he does. I think the difference is, you know, Gus is more of a one-trick pony in a sense where he's going to get you the physical yards. He's not going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's not going to be able to kind of attack the edges. He's going to be able to smash it and get you yardage and up the middle. He's going to be able to, you know, be a, a really effective doing that. Um, I think one of the, the keys for Gus Edwards and kind of why you're not going to get the ceiling you probably could out of him is he's also recovering from injury. They don't want to kind of, you know, overutilize him early in the season. I think that's why you're going to continue to see other guys be sprinkled in where they, uh, they have chances to do so. Um, you will see Melvin Gordon probably this week because Drake's got picked up. They got picked up for the practice squad, so it doesn't feel like he can be involved this week. I think Gus Edwards is a guy you definitely play this week. I feel very confident playing him versus that, that uh, Colts defense. Um, but overall, I think Gus Edwards is a guy that you like and you're going to feel confident as the season progresses. I think it'll get stronger. And Adam talked about A.J. Dillon's from the bigger backs, how they get better as the season progresses. Gus Edwards is always getting five yards per carry, but he also can get better as the season progresses as well. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you there. That's the guy who gets better as, as the weather changes, too. Uh, I just want to quickly mention Zach Moss. If Volume-wise, you're playing him as a flex player, playing as an RB3, but I do have him five spots lower at ECR. I got him at 30. ECR is 25. I just don't like the matchup here. Uh, the Ravens' fifth lease against the running backs so far this year. They were ninth all of last year. The running back matchup is not what you want. You want to go against their secondary. That's what He's you an want. affordable DFS matchup, though. He's an affordable He's an afford- DFS lineup filler at the, at the running back position. He got immediate running back one year usage so yeah no sure the used to be there i'm not arguing that but uh, yeah and dfs wise no, no doubt about it uh pitman you're gonna play pitman he's actually been a target hog zay flowers cracks my top t- uh 24 wide receivers this week loves zay flowers against the indianapolis colts you're playing him and then rashad bateman adam is who i kind of want to mention here i'm not playing rashad bateman this week but the obj thing might be a couple of weeks i know bateman's playing time was kind of split with him and nelson aguilar after he went down but remember Bateman is still trying to make his way back after lost time in training camp. Do you think we should be stashing Bateman or you think that ship's just sailed? I, I think you could stash him. People don't realize how serious that injury was. Some of the foot stuff is no joke. Uh, it, it's something that you're going to get gradually brought back from. Uh, I, I think he's a talented player. He was a talented prospect. And again, I, I really, really like uh, the passing tape of Lamar so far this season. So as long as that continues, uh, and as long as Bateman, you know, if we can just kind of see a, a slight uptick, uh, then I, I'm confident that he can, you know, improve throughout the season and, and you know, can be a valuable asset in the, the backstretch. Yeah, I tend to agree. Mark Andrews, by the way, obviously top two tight end this week. Let's head into our next matchup. <laughs> Carolina Panthers are traveling out to Seattle here for this one. The Seattle Seahawks up minus five and a half in this game, 42 and a half over under, not expecting a particularly exciting game. Uh, Chase, I will say this, Geno Smith, at least he had a bounce back performance last week. Terrible, terrible Geno Smith. He's terrible. Streaming. <laughs> Journeyman quarterback. Streaming. <laughs> I, I, I showed it off right again. One one Dreaming. game, Chris. One one game. Exactly. One, one game, Dan. One game. One game. Call a journeyman off of one game at the week one. Well, no, no, no. I didn't call him a journeyman off of one game. I called him a journeyman off of an entire freaking career. That's how I call him off a journeyman. One game, he actually looked good this past week, and Detroit went full prevent defense to make that happen in the second half. So, mm, Maybe hold your horses over there a little bit, but fine. You know what? Chris wants to jump in here and take Chase's spot. Chase, I'll give you the next one here. I got him at a quarterback 16. I ain't playing Geno Smith this week, buddy. Not against the Carolina Panthers, who, for two reasons. One, their defense is not bad, but two, I don't think the Seahawks have to do too much to win this game, so I think they want to just ride it out in the second half with Kenneth Walker, and as a result, you're going to have low volume, so I'm not playing him in that kind of a game script. Go ahead, Chris. You want to play your you little journey? Okay. I think he's a mid-tier quarterback one this week because I agree with you. The, 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 how this game sets up, Seattle should be able to win the game. They should be able to run the ball pretty effectively. This Carolina defense is not that good. It has two pass rushers. They have no Thompson in the secondary. No Thompson, I'm sorry, in the linebacker position anymore. They had no J.C. Horn in the secondary. So you're definitely going to attack them. I think Junior Smith has a good floor. This week, so he's not on a huge ceiling, but he's a guy you feel comfortable having in your lineup this week and not feel like you're going to lose out. And then that guy, even if you're chasing big points, um, maybe he's not a guy you can get to you. But I think, like they talked about two or earlier, getting you that 250 yards and two touchdowns, you could feel pretty comfortable. It's probably going to come for Gino this week. 
Yeah, I disagree. That's why I'm a QB 16. I have him actually below his player prop at 251 and a half yards this week as well. I just don't think the ball is going to be in his hands that much. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Kenneth Walker is obviously going to be an RB1, by the way. Hit his 62 and a half player prop rushing yards. He's still been the bell cow. He's going to go over that mark, uh, I believe, this week. Let me guess real quick on the Carolina point. Um, just to running the ball, like I know that everybody's looking at Kenneth Walker and seeing it's a great matchup. Most of the points scored against Carolina's defense has been touchdown scored, not necessarily giving up all kinds of rushing yards. So I was just curious to see, does that matter to you when it, Kenneth Walker? Well, here, it's a simple math for me, Chris, because it's it's Kenneth Walker gets at least four yards to carry. I believe he gets 16 carries in this game. That puts him over that mark. It's kind of like that simple for me. So like, so yes, I agree with you. The, the fantasy points and the reason why I have him ranked as you know a top 10 running back this week is because I expect him to get a touchdown or two. But when it comes to that player prop, the volume efficiency yeah. not being a scary matchup it just it just lines up for me that way so that's it looks that's, it looks like a game where they pass early they get up and then they run yeah it, looks, it seems like that kind of game they won't have to throw to get Gino over his yardage total but they will have enough time and enough carries to get like you said to get Kenneth over their rushing total so yeah i can see that but your points well made there chris that it's it's not necessarily because it's a team that gives up a ton of rushing yards yeah, one hundred percent. Chase, help me out with the, with the other running back with Miles Sanders. Yeah. Uh, I'm way lower in ECR here. I got him. I shouldn't say way lower. Some is an RB two. I have an RB twenty. ECR's got an RB fourteen. Like borderline pushing RB one numbers here, and I don't get it because uh, Chuba Hubbard is seeing a significant enough workload where I'm like, this thing's starting to get a little ugly here. He's, in he's seeing a significant enough workload, but it's not like he's costing Miles Sanders a ton of work. Miles Sanders is eighth in the league in rushing attempts, and he's tied for second among running backs and targets. They are still running this offense through Miles. A Sanders. lot of that was week one. A lot of that was week one. Like I'm last sure. last week, and this is my problem. Hubbard played well, overwhelming majority of third downs, and played almost all of except for five percent of the two minute drill snaps. That's yeah. something new. I two minute drill doesn't last all game. That's why it's the two minute drill, though. But that's where you get a lot of those cheap fantasy points. But, but yeah, you can get cheap fantasy points for two minutes at a, at a pop twice a game, but. I just they they run the rest of the time they run the offense through Miles Sanders. Their offensive line's terrible, but the volume is still there. I'm I'm lower on ECR, but I'm a little higher than you. I mean, I'm splitting you guys down the middle basically. I mean, I've got him at 16. Like you said, he's a mid-tier running back too because of that volume. Because even if Chuba Hubbard is sniping away some of the passing game work. I just I think that enough of the rest of the usage and, and the rest of the the other forty the other fifty four minutes of game time or whatever are going through Miles Sanders. So his volume is going really mid tier. That's kind of the problem. Quick question: because whether or not it's going through Miles Sanders or not, I think you know, Miles Sanders is going to get his touches. I think we all agree. Man, yeah. he's getting about 14, 15 touches a game. That's going to probably happen. Correct. But the problem that we're seeing is this Carolina offense isn't doing squat. And not scoring points. And Miles Sanders, while he's getting the opportunity, I agree with Chase. And he's got a safe floor. The ceiling is definitely lacking in my book because of that lack of touchdowns. And you're not seeing the points scored in this offense. So I have concerns overall, you know, what he could actually produce for you. I think he's a guy that you can have in your lineup safely, but a guy that I'm not necessarily excited about. 
But oh, I guess no, I'm, yeah, I'm not thrilled about it, but yeah, it's why he's a running back too. It's why I'm not, yeah. But that's also why I'm laying out the ECR having an RB14. You're reflecting he should have some kind of ceiling upside here, and that's why I wanted to point out where I, we are not on the ECR side when it comes to reflecting that. No. And I guess I it's not so much for me this week. It's moving forward that I have some concerns when it comes to Sanders if Hubbard's volume continues to tick up from week one to week two the way that it did in certain situations. Sanders being a big part of the passing game is why I thought he would have a safe floor throughout the year. If that goes away... And then I start to worry about what his floor becomes. Side question real quick for Carolina. Are we concerned about Frank Reich continuing to call plays for Carolina, or is that you know going to be ex- exited at some point because they're already no. answering questions about – Yeah, by concerned, do you mean concerned for Carolina or concerned right. he's exactly. going to lose it? Exactly. I'm concerned, concerned for, for Carolina, but he's not like, losing that. <laughs> yeah, like, just yes. Just yes. After watching the Colts offense last year, I'm concerned that Frank Frank will not have, you know, step down and realize. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to step down and I am concerned for the players because of. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. All right. So you play DK Metcalf, play Tyler Lockett. Adam Thielen actually is a borderline wide receiver four for me this week. Just, there's nothing else going on and they might have to move the ball at some point. I just, I want to throw this out here. I, I, I know I've been, bashing on Jackson Smith and Jigba, but like you guys seen Mean Girls, stop making fetch happen. Stop trying to make Jackson Smith and Jigba happen, ECR. I'm tired of this crap. They got him at wide receiver 43. Like, are you stupid? How moronic are you people? I got him at wide receiver 60. He's only run 62% of the routes out there, and that was last week with Metcalf in and out of the freaking lineup. Uh, what do we, like, he only plays 11 personnel. He's wide receiver 82 for the first two games. Not My only is he not running a lot of those routes, Dan, and I, I, but they're shallow yeah. as all hell. Yeah. He's Why? having like two-some yards a, a route or something like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Just, just running very shallow. In, other compadres in the industry, stop trying to make this just delusion that Jasmine and the Jig Bush should be considered a wide receiver four in your lineups each week. He's not. So stop it. That was They, just, they I, liked him coming in, and he got 11 targets. That's the entire argument. It's silly, but that's the entire argument. It, it drives me up a wall. Let's get to our next match. The slaughter of the week, the Chiefs against the Chicago Bears. Chiefs minus 12 in this game. The over-under 48. I think everybody's thinking the Chiefs are pretty much going to do most of the heavy lifting when it comes to that over-under. Uh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes... Cashing him over 283 and a half passing yards this week. I can't believe it's that low. Love it. Uh, Justin Fields, as bad as he's been, I still think he's going to get over 171 and a half passing yards this week as well. Uh, he's done that the last two weeks, despite everything being crappy. Uh, Pacheco, we got to watch out. He's got a hamstring injury, and he did not practice today, so something we're going to have to watch and get updated on. Now, let's get to the Chicago of it all, because we had an interesting report. Uh, I think we're up to Adam here. We have an interesting report coming out of Dan Graziano about Roshan Johnson emerging as the top back sooner rather than later. Whether that means this week, whether it means the week after, I don't know. Right now, I got Khalil Herbert at RB34. We're showing Johnson at RB37, pretty much mustering in that flex range. So two questions. One, do you think either one of these guys are going to be in your starting lineup this week if you had them? And two, do you think Roshan's taking this job over sooner rather than later? I do think, I do not think, rather, sorry, that any of them should be in your starting lineup now. 
The Roshan thing is tricky. I think he takes probably the majority of the snaps. I, I still ultimately think that he's going to be the better receiver, better pass blocker. Khalil Herbert's a, a better runner. Uh, I, I just don't know how much that's going to end up ultimately mattering. This offensive line is putrid. This play caller is even worse. It, it's going to be hard for these guys to provide value. I almost think that Roshan Johnson is going to have a chance to – down the stretch have more fantasy value than a Herbert just by virtue of they're going to be in, in scripts behind a lot. So that receiving va- back value is going to be a little higher. Although even then, I don't know if I can trust this passing game. Um, so I, if there's anyone that I have any confidence in at this point, unless Justin hurt or sorry, Justin Fields rather can, you know, turn the clock back to the back half of last season and start playing a little bit better. Uh, then maybe Khalil Herbert has a shot, but otherwise Rashawn, Rashawn Johnson's the only one with even an outside chance in hell of doing anything this season. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. basically keep stashing Roshan. I'm not playing either one of these guys if I have better options to pivot to, uh, but that's kind of what we're looking at here. Chase, I'm be really curious to see this part because I'm ahead of ACR by a decent margin here with DJ Moore. I got him at wide receiver 21. ECR's got him at 27. His player props, by the way, 40 and a half receiving yards. Go ahead and hit the over on that against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know it was bad week one, but it got course corrected in week two. There's going to be a lot of garbage time, I believe, in this game. So go ahead and hit the over on that one. I can't even believe it. Uh, but where, where do you got him at right now? Are you below, higher? What do you got? I, I have him below, to be honest with you. I've got him at wide receiver 33, but I'm going to say Uh-oh. this the same. The same the, Hold on, listen. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. big enough gap i had to hit i i am yeah i'm i but i'm going to hedge that bet or add the caveat that oh, he's back walking already no no no, no. the <laughs> same the same note that i have for cole commit because i have cole commit at 20 and you have him at 13 i am probably allowing my anti-fields bias right now to uh to affect how i'm ranking all of his receivers i just i'm not happy enough with justin fields the complete and total and utter lack of any kind of progression as a passer over the pa- over his entire NFL career, including this season. Uh, I- I'm so far away from thinking that he is, is showing enough progress as a passer that I'm allowing it to color how I'm looking at. And I'll, I'll admit that I'm allowing it to color how I look at DJ Moore, how I look at Cole Komet, how I look at, at Mooney. Uh, I just, I'm probably too low on DJ Moore. His talent is still there. He's still DJ Moore, but I'm just not as as happy with the the play calling as Justin Fields said in his. Speaking of interesting, you know, tidbits coming out of Chicago today, coaching. Uh, I'm just I'm just I'm not thrilled with their passing attack whatsoever. So I'm probably a little low on DJ Moore, but I'll believe you know I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, yeah, you and everybody else is getting colored by that, Chase, and that's the problem. By the way, my parlay of the week, over on Cole Komet, over on DJ Moore, and over on Justin Fields. Despite of this whole thing being disgusting on the field, and it 100% has been disgusting on the field, there's no doubt about that, the numbers still are getting there. The production is still showing up there because there's garbage time. That's the beauty of all this, and there's going to be garbage time against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now I'm with you. Why Chicago's coaching staff didn't learn a lick from last year, why they're reverting back to what they tried to run with Justin Fields in the beginning of the year then, and it 
didn't work then. Nothing got done until they allowed designed runs for Justin Fields to be very much part of that offense. Why they won't go back to that, why they haven't jumped off the year with that, I have no idea. I don't have the answer. And and as a passer, he has been a 60% passer or less since he came into the league. It's just been boom, boom, boom. There's no progression. Daniel Jones, my guy, Danny Dimes, his first three years in the league, he saw boom, 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 incremental progression. His first four years of the league. Josh Allen came into the league. The only question about Josh Allen was not his arm strength, was not his physical ability, his running ability, his leadership. It was his passing accuracy. What did he do? He showed gigantic leaps between year one and year two and between year two and year three. He showed that progression until now. That's not even a remote question in anybody's mind about Josh Allen's accuracy. Justin Fields has shown none of that. And I don't necessarily blame Justin Fields for it so much as, like he said today, coaching. No, 100% agree, but he's still gone over 200 yards the past two weeks. Cole Komet's been a tight end 11 through the first two weeks, averaging 6.5 targets per game. So that's why he's my tight end 13 heading into this week. And everyone's just sleeping a little too much on the Bears players and where you should be playing them at. Uh, Chris, Adam, is there a wide receiver on the Chiefs that you like this week? Uh, I don't know if I want to get... Darius Tony might be out, by the way, if that helps at all. <laughs> Shocker, I know. Talk about a guy trying to make happen, Dan. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a joke, man. That's if, if you were if you were extremely desperate, then I guess I would call out Rice just because he looks good. Uh, but the Reed historically not trusted the rookie receiver, hasn't trusted him a super high amount so far. But the the unit just looks bad. <laughs> the receiving core looks bad at some point you just have to put in your talented player even if he doesn't know your full system yet in my opinion but Andy Reid's one of those guys that I'm just not going to argue with too much I don't trust any of them this week unless I'm incredibly incredibly desperate QF stops as Justin Ross and then cracks up as he does it yeah because that's the entire that pretty much sums up all the wide receivers that you're trying to choose from in the Kansas City Chiefs right now Chris you got one or no no, I agree with Adam. I think, you know, everybody's trying to make things happen for the Chiefs. It's supposed to be Tony, it's supposed to be Justin Ross. Is it going to be this guy? It's going to be that guy. I think this is a week that you play a lot of receivers in DFS for the Chiefs because yes. it's going to be somebody who pops off, but it's not a game that you want in the receiving core that you want to touch for redraft leagues. Yes. I, this is, this is, if there's ever a time when I'm ever going to even mention Marcus Valdez Scantling in a positive manner whatsoever, <laughs> it's this week as a cheaper DFS play because the bears give up such a high yards per, per pass attempt. And that's all literally all the man does, but yeah, I want you guys to make five DFS lineups and I want you to have one with Watson, one with sky Moore, one with Marcus. <laughs> exactly. 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 Shot, shot gun it. <laughs> all right, let's go to our next match. <laughs> other slaughter of the week the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals they're also favored by 12 points over under 43 and a half and I am way lower on the ECR with Dak Prescott believe it or not even against Arizona 
I wouldn't stream Dak Prescott this week. Now, that's not because of the matchups, not because I don't think he can do it. It has more to do with the fact that I think this game script could be eerily similar to what we saw with the Giants, where the Dallas Cowboys just offensively decide to pack it in and not do much. And that's kind of what I'm more afraid of, this Dallas defense being so dominant in this game. And I want to point out that right now, even last week, where he actually had to do a little bit more, it was against a tougher defense, but he's still in QB 17. It's QB 26 on the week. They're just not asking him to do a whole lot right now. I don't think this is a game they suddenly do. So I, I don't know, Chris, do you agree, disagree? Would he be in your lineup as a streamer? I mean, as the guy's a streamer, I think he's a streaming option for you, but I think this is a guy that you can look for other options to quarterback. I agree with you that how this game should, should play out. I'll, I'll give Arizona a lot of credit. This is a team I think is severely under-talented. I, I killed their coaching staff this whole offseason, but they've come playing hard, and they've given teams that, you know, have don't overlook mediocre teams. You show up somehow, some way. So having mediocre said all teams, that, but they're still they're still two scores away from being two and zero. They've lost two one score games. They're, yeah, they've I mean, played much closer than we've all given the credit it is. Um, yes. And I, I think this game could have some different turnovers, different hairs there. But I, I agree with you. I think that overall, Dak has a safe floor where he's not going to necessarily you know suck it up for you. He's been hitting CD very efficiently. He's been getting the other guys involved. Tony Paul's been moving the ball up and down the field, so Cowboys will be in position to score. But is a guy that doesn't have a huge upside because of the game flow that should unfold for this. I'll uh, say this: in super flex leagues, I, it's getting near a point where I would consider looking at Dak as someone that I want to trade for, just because of the, the game flows that he's been in the the first month of the season so far. It's ridiculous. Yeah, a, a, buy, a buy low in that situation, Adam. I, I tend to like that, actually. Uh, Tony Pollard is my RB3 on the week. If Austin Eckler plays, if not, he's my RB2. By the way, his player prop right now, 74 and a half rushing yards. I know he actually hasn't hit the over on that yet this season. I think this is the week that it kind of happens uh, against Arizona. James Conner is my RB27. I am way lower on him than the ECR at RB21. I'm not telling you James Conner's a must start as two running backs, but you're probably playing him as a flex. I just, this could be a buzzsaw against Dallas. I'm a little queasy about that, but he's probably in our lineup given the volume of the running back situations. And then uh, it's CeeDee Lamb. I got him on the over 69 and a half receiving yards. He hit that on the over even the Giants blowout loss he was over 70 yards in that game too Only to have to do it yep that's that's all he needs so continue to hit him on the over for that one as well uh, I'm staying away from Marquise Brown and I'm staying away from Brandon Cooks coming back off of an injury we do need to talk a little Zach Ertz Adam I don't want to play him this week I got him at tight end 14 he's in that streaming tier but two weeks in a row he leaves all tight ends and targets they're actually getting the ball like this might be a top 10 play most weeks until maybe they trade them. I, I don't know. Do you think this thing falls apart? Is this delusions, mirage? Like, what are we seeing right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a match made in heaven between a quarterback like Dobbs and a tight end like Ertz, to be honest with you. I, I actually, if you're completely desperate at tight end, I don't hate it this week because it's weirdly close and they're playing hard. Ertz is good. You get into garbage time at halftime, Ertz is good. I I don't know. I, I don't hate playing him. I, I get it's a bad matchup, but it's almost so bad of a matchup that it becomes a good one again once I, you get the garbage time. You're praying for the garbage time. Keep in mind here, Dallas has always been fantastic against tight ends no matter what. Yeah. So. My, the only reason is that it's the tight end position. I, I think he probably finishes top 10. Uh so someone in the league could probably use him as a starter. 
Get rid of tight ends in your leagues. Trust me, you'll be all the better for it. Make it an extra flex. Uh, Snags, 4-1-2. Christian Kirk or Alvin Kamara? I'm guessing rest of season must be what he has to be asking rest of season here. Uh, well, that would be Alvin Kamara for me. There's a lot of things I've heard about Alvin Kamara that sound really good. Like he's in better shape. They had got some things corrected. Uh, Jamal Williams just went down with a hamstring injury. The backfield's a mess. Like Kamara might be walking into a bell cow. So I'm good. Definitely gonna go Kamara over Christian Kirk here. And you guys agree? Disagree? Yeah. yeah, I'm going running back right now. He's, he's healthy. He's playing. I'm going running back for sure. <laughs> Fresh running back in week four? <laughs> Close your mind. Let's go to our next matchup. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Right now, the only injury of note in this game, because since Deontay Johnson's on IR anyway. Can you take a breakout? Oh, sorry. Try to make it happen. <laughs> Say it again. I'm sorry. It's a Kenny Pickett breakout. I was trying to make it happen. We're, we're going to get into it. Uh, just, let me just finish this. Jacoby Myers concussion protocol was doing some limited work today. Looking pretty good for uh, heading into this week. The Raiders are favored at minus two and a half at home in this game. The over under set at 43. Yes, Chris, we could talk about your Kenny. Uh, well, I want to talk about two things on the breakout front, Chris, with you at, in particular. Season over first, Dan. I don't, I'm not sure yeah. preseason's ended yet because that seems to be the problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry. Exactly. Uh, preseason doesn't mean shit as we can find out now with Kenny Pickett in the Steelers. Yes, they look so good in prison. How's it looking now? And they played against team starters for once in their lives. That's number one. The number two thing I want to point out is people are feeling the Steelers defense a little bit too much too. I know they're the ones that made the game winning touchdown at the end of the game against the Browns. You can thank Deshaun Watson for sucking for that because your secondary sucks. You can't stop the run. Nick Chubb had 56 yards in the first freaking quarter. Had he not gotten hurt, Browns probably would have steamrolled in that game. Like So those are two things on the Steelers. I am not impressed with this team. 100% agree. I think, you know, it's about Matt Canada and the horrible coaching we're watching offensively. It got continues. Kenny Pickett had a big play. Talking about that guy trying to make happen. We're going to hear that all, you know, this week about George Pickett's having a big play finally. Had 71-yard touchdown, but basically had a slant and broke it for himself. It's this, this offense is putrid to watch. They can't get first downs. They don't know who they are. There's a controversy about, you know, should be Najee Harris, should be Warren in the backfield. It doesn't matter. Nobody touches the ball enough to do anything for this Pittsburgh offense. So I'm with you, Dan. I think Pittsburgh looks atrocious both offensively and defensively. I'm not impressed with this team. Overall. It actually just dawned on me this is a Sunday night game on top of it. So that's really, really not putting this team in prime time. Just, just told on me this is a Sunday night game. Wow. Um, Josh Jacobs is an RB1 for me. This is the game. He gets back on track. Hit him on the over on the 71 and a half rushing yard. Mark, again, Nick Chubb had 56 rushing yards in the first quarter. I think Josh Jacobs bounces back in a big way uh, for this game in particular. Uh, Chase, let's talk about Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, that dynamic going on right now. I still have Harris as an RB2 heading into this matchup. Mm-hmm. Like so many other running backs, I'm making him RB2 as a this is a make or break matchup for you. If you can't show me some sort of efficiency, so some sort of life in this matchup, I'm gonna start fading him to the back end and making him more of an RB3, making him more of a flex play. Right now, it seems like he's kind of more in a 55-45 split as far as snaps go with Jalen Warren and Warren taking up majority of the passing work as this season has gone on through the first couple of weeks. I don't think Warren ever overtakes Harris short of a Harris injury, 
But I am starting to make me my, make myself think that Harris is going to be nothing more than a flex play moving forward pretty soon if this keeps up. Do you see it any differently? Uh, yeah, I, I want to not see it that way. Uh, listen, Harris, he, he wasn't, he wasn't great last year. We all know that. Uh, but through the first two games, and again, it's two games, small sample size, only 16 rushing attempts, but he's averaging 4.6 yards a carry. He's actually been much more explosive than, uh, than we've seen him be in, in previous years. He, remember coming into this year, last two years, he was under four yards a carry. Um, this is still not necessarily a team with a juggernaut of an offensive line. Okay. Um, and as long as that's going to be the case, Najee Harris being the more physical runner, being the more capable runner, I think up the middle like that. And listen, it, Matt Canada is still inexplicably calling the freaking plays there in Pittsburgh. Um, Najee's still the guy. He's still going to be the guy. Um, chalk another one up, add another guy to the list. Jalen Warren, that, that the industry is trying to make happen. Um, I, I agree. He may end up with, with the bulk of the pass game work. We may end up seeing this be much more of one of those running back backfields where we've got a runner and a pass guy and that's fine. But I still think that, you know, based on what Pickett's been able to do, based on what we're seeing out of Najee, the fact that Najee, like I said, is running explosively the first two weeks and looks like a different guy than he did last year coming off of the list, Frank injury. Um, I, I still like Harris in this backfield. I just won't have him as anything more than a running back, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Snags412, Marquise Brown, or Alvin Kamara. Again, Alvin Kamara. And by the way, while you're asking questions, if you ask between Christian Kirk and Marquise Brown, also Christian Kirk. So it kind of gives you an idea there. Yep. And his, uh, his little comment here. It seems like he's a, he's from Pittsburgh, and uh, he's agreeing with pretty much everything we're saying there. Um, let's move on to the wide receivers here, because that was a great breakdown by you, Chase. Devon, hey, Adams, I got it. I'm ahead of ECR. I got him at wide receiver three. I got him over the player prop here at 73.5 yards. Again, not afraid of the Steelers' secondary whatsoever. He's been over that mark three of the last four games. Chris, let's talk a little George Pickens. Uh, he did have 10 targets in this game. He did wind up having four catches, 126 yards at a touchdown, and he almost pulled off a Monday miracle against me, so I was very happy when he stopped his nonsense after the third quarter. Uh, but... But he did show us something, at least as far as with Deontay Johnson out, our question was, does George Pickens get targets? Because he still really wasn't getting targets last year all that much. And he wasn't really getting targets when Deontay Johnson went out against San Francisco. But he did get 10 targets in this game. I'm still below ECR. I got him at wide receiver 26. ECR is implanting him as a top 24 wide receiver at 22 uh, because of how inefficient it was. Still less than a 50% catch rate. It was still one big lucky play that really got the majority of his production off of so yes he's a wide receiver three probably in your lines as a flex play but he's still not a must start for me how do you see this 100 agree with you definitely not a must start for me i mean maybe receiver three is a flex option i think that's basically what you've been getting and that's what you're going to continue to get at george pickens you're looking for the big play hopefully um but as you talk about inefficiency i mean he had basically the whole passing attack to himself last week had 10 targets caught four of them 71 yards on one play so when you look at the breakdown, it's not like he's really impressing you. He's basically doing what he usually does, except for that slant he broke down for a big touchdown. And right now, unless you break for that real long 71-yard touchdown, you're not scoring touchdowns or scoring points in Pittsburgh. <laughs> this offense, it's, it's putrid. I mean, it's what you're watching. You're watching Pat Formuth get one catch. That's it. We watched last year where it was like, how can Deontay Johnson have no touchdown catches? How can Pat Formuth have you know, one or two the whole season? George Pickens is a big beast, and he can't get any touchdowns. 
what's changed? So I I have I seen I know Deontay Johnson's not playing, but I think there's still many other guys involved. You saw Allen Robinson week one. You see Austin get involved before the last other week. I think somebody else will always kind of be utilized in some kind of capacity, and his team isn't going to put a lot of points overall. So I'm not a huge on George Pickens still. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I have him as a top 36 play if he does, in fact, play in this matchup. Adam, I got to talk a little Pat Fryermuth here. I love the man. He's a great tight end. I still have him as 11 this week, kind of putting him in the same boat as Harris, where it's like, you got to show it to me this week. Otherwise, you're going to be falling down that Kyle Pitts territory because one target in Deontay Johnson's absence, he has he's 21st amongst tight ends and, and routes run for his team, and that's supposed to be what his bread and butter is like I, I know there's a big th- bigger thing going on with the Steelers right now, but uh, pretty soon Pat Fryermuth I don't think is going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, do, do you have any more hope than I do? No, not really. I mean, for all that's been mentioned, there's just not a lot of things going well with this offense. The quarterback stinks. The OC stinks. The offensive line is mediocre at best. Uh, I, it it's a tough situation for for a tight end, which is a position that. You know, you're, you're not getting a ton out of anyways. So, yeah, I, I think something big would need to change for me to be super confident trusting Fryermuth, uh, at least, you know, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, with that note, let's head into our next <laughs> We got the first Monday night game of another doubleheader. The Eagles taking on Tampa Bay. Uh, real quickly, I actually don't know the answer to this off the top of my head. How many more doubleheaders do we have on Monday night? I think there were supposed to be three for the year, and this is the second of the of the three. So is it another one next week, or we have one like later in the year? No, no, no. It's it's later in the year, but yeah, I don't oh, know. Well, why. I think it's I Christmas I, Day. I think it's Christmas yeah, Day because yeah. Christmas Day. I don't. I don't know why it was such a weird like back to back week two week three that had to be the the doubleheaders, but it's. Something with the contract that ESPN signed. So it's, I'm, I'm just glad I have multiple TVs so I can still watch both games, right. but very annoying the way it's staggered. Anyway, um, so we got the Eagles taking on Tampa Bay. They are favored on the road at minus five and a half. The over under 46. I am taking the Eagles to cash at minus five and a half and win this game. Keep in mind, they've been playing B minus C plus ball and they're still two and oh, and this is another kind of mediocre team. I think just ultimately they wind up taking care of business as far as uh, covering the line there along of course Jalen Hurts being a top five play as he usually will be I do want to talk about the backfield though Chase uh I'm a little lower in ECR I still have Swift as an RB2 but I have more as a back end RB2 ECR has been 17s I'm more of a mid-level RB2 uh as far as I am concerned I think Kenneth Gainwell is expected to return this week it wasn't a major injury to put him out on Thursday and he's gonna be in this rotation Swift, I showed you this. I showed you my tweet that I put out there on Damn FF or on X. I'm like, Serena needs to be slapped if he goes back to Kenneth Gainwell as the lead back at the very least. At the lead back, yes. Do you yes. think that's going to wind up happening? Am I, I going to be smacking Nick Serena on Monday night? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think Sirianni's going to have to be. He's going to have to understand that what he's got in, in DeAndre Swift is much more than he's ever going to have in, in Kenneth Gainwell. I like Kenneth Gainwell. He's a fine player. He's one of those guys I would. He's one of those guys that's better on your actual team than necessarily your fantasy team. But he, but DeAndre Swift is the much more dynamic player. He showed that last week. He showed he can do it running the ball too. He doesn't have to just be on the outside getting passes so he they can get him in space, which seemed to always be the seems to always be the narrative around DeAndre. You have to get him in space. Yeah, but if you block for him, you can get him in space by just 
handing him the damn ball and blocking for him as well. Um, I have him, I have him actually two spots ahead of ECR. That's a much more a, uh, probably a reflection of what I see as the players around him. And I'm talking the running backs around him in that part of the rankings than necessarily seeing him as a high end RB two. He's an RB two. Um, but I do think that, that based on what we saw last week, that Sirianni, yeah, he would have to be nuts to hand Kenneth Gainwell the reins to the backfield. Gainwell will have a role, should have a role, um, but he's had, yeah, he's had a role his entire time in Philadelphia. That's the role that he should have. The Based role on the season, though, Chase, it's going to be Rashad Penny's week, just so you know. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, just about all of our freaking luck. We'll have to watch that till he blows an ACL or a hip or whatever in the third quarter. I don't want to put that in the universe, but. Yeah, let's Rashad look. Penny has already put that shit in the universe himself in the past, so I'm not necessarily. <laughs> breaking any news there oh god let's hope not uh let's talk, let's talk about the running back on the other side rashad white who i am big on ship. yeah like first of all i don't ecr has him as a top 24 play he's a flex play because of the volume this ain't a good matchup and as you showed if they play anybody with any kind of competent run defense in fact they through two weeks, they haven't played anybody with run, competent run defense, and yet he still couldn't do anything against Minnesota. Did have a decent game against Chicago. I don't expect him to do a whole lot in this game. And then look at his upcoming matchup. So you got the Eagles this Monday, then you have the Saints, and then you have a bye week. That's three weeks where I don't want to play Rashad White at all, if I can help it. A little bit better with Detroit and Atlanta, but then it's rough with Buffalo and San Francisco and Tennessee and just runs through this gauntlet here. And if you get to the very end of the season with him on your team, you got the Saints and Carolina as your last two playoff games of the year. And that's assuming he lasts this long if he's going to be this inefficient. So find a way to sell Rashad White. Again, I'll go back to it. I combined him and Garrett Wilson, and I got Jalen Waddell. There's things like that I think you can do, especially with how desperate people are at the running back position. Does anybody disagree with that? No. Point out to whoever you're trying to shovel him off to that he is seventh in the league in carries right now. He is getting getting the volume. The problem is he's getting the same golding efficiency that we saw out of Leonard Fournette last season, because the offensive line in front of him is absolutely terrible. And Rashad white is not anything special as a running back talent in the NFL, but point that out. Hey, he's seventh in the league and carries seventh in the league and carries and see if somebody will take that and hand you anything back for it. Yeah. 100% agree. Uh, Chris, Mike Evans, he's going to be a, a lock him in wide receiver two for me this week. Uh, by the way, Donald Smith, AJ Brown, you're obviously playing them. Uh, but with Mike Evans, I don't buy that Baker Mayfield is going to continue playing competently. They played Minnesota. They played Chicago. He looked okay. He at least got the ball to Evans at the very least. But I think this might be the beginning of the end as far as him looking like he can be competent. So for a, I don't want to say he's a definite sell high for me, but I would definitely like to shop around Mike Evans over me. Now, I, you might be looking at it differently. How do you see this? Well, I think I'm definitely looking at it differently. We looked at it differently going into the season. I wasn't down in Tampa Bay receivers. A lot of people were because of Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Baker fan. I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as he has been his last couple of weeks, but he hasn't been terrible, and he has put up numbers while everybody else has decent matchups sometimes too. Nobody's necessarily making and taking advantage of all their good matchups. Baker's played decent quarterback, and he's getting the ball to his playmakers and his receivers, particularly Mike Evans. 
I think that's going to continue to be the guy he looks for. I think that Mike Evans is the guy that's going to be the lead leader in the red zone. There's no other guy you're really competing for in that red zone. And then when you look for the 20s and the big plays, he's the other guy who gets the big plays for him and he will stretch the field. I think Chris Godwin will be the good security blanket. He's always going to be a comfortable guy to have. But I think both receivers can continue to eat. Mike Evans will be a guy who will be a borderline you know, high receiver two, borderline receiver one most weeks. And Dan, Dan mm-hmm. do you think is Baker Mayfield a top 32 quarterback in the NFL? Yes. So he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. You don't have to be overly competent as a starting quarterback in the NFL to throw the ball to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin all the dang time. I, I just, I, I think that Mike Evans continues to be what so we're seeing. Here, here's he's got concern. the connection with, he's got the connection with Baker. He's a combination. Right, right now, right now the, the target share between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is completely upside down. We would have expected Chris yeah. Godwin to be the one seeing all of the targets. Right now, his target share is somewhere around like 21, 22%, something like that, whereas Mike I, Evans is up around 29. With Brady, Brady, Brady's the problem. Yeah. Brady will only use him for bombs, and that's everybody thought, assumed Mike Evans this is the right? one-trick pony, and he's not. Right. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was either dump-offs or bomb it to Evans, and now you've got Baker out there who's looking for Evans because he's a dynamic freaking playmaker. Well, I, that I think Baker can't anticipate. You have to anticipate to get Chris Godwin open. You don't have to anticipate for Mike Evans because you just throw him a jump ball. I think that's the biggest difference, honestly. Uh, Chris Godwin, as a result of that, is my wide receiver 31. I'm well below ECR on him. He's a flex play who I'm not I'm not really excited about, frankly, because he doesn't have touchdown or big play upside. Mm-hmm. Or, and Baker's not really looking for him right now. And it's not a matchup uh, that I like when it comes to when it comes to Chris Godwin's side. I guess that's for part me, of why I'm not selling on Mike Evans. I want to. I want to hang on to that. He's going to. Keep so I guess seeing. for me, it's not just Baker Mayfield and, and him actually being able to sustain competency, which I don't believe he will be able to do. It's when they start playing better defenses, and their their schedule is going to get tougher now after these last two weeks. The, the offensive line might just collapse, and the whole offense might just collapse, and that's more my concern. We're going to see it if if Evans can still maintain against the Philadelphia Eagles and then the New Orleans Saints next week, heading into their bye week. Then I'm all in on the we're keeping Mike Evans as a wide receiver to lock him in the rest of the season. These Real next quick. two weeks, I think, are going to prove that. Go ahead, Chris. And I can understand that. The only thing I'm kind of chase this point. If you look at Tipa Bay, when you're saying the narrative, Rashad White sucks, so he's not going to run the ball. And then at some point, this is an NFL team. They're going to have to have somebody involved offensively and moving the ball. So if Rashad White can't move the ball in the running game, Somebody's going to catch the ball. Somebody's going to do something. So to me, why wouldn't it be the more talented receivers? And there's going to be guys. It's not going to always be sexy or pretty, but I do think that when you have a guys you know, throughout the league, it doesn't matter. Jamar Chase has what 60 yards through the season right now. So Mike Evans, you know, might have some tough matchups here or there, but it's still going to be a guy you feel pretty good putting your lineup week, you know, week in week out as a receiver three, receiver two option. Yep. I yeah. won't tell anybody to run out and grab Baker, but I'm going to tell everybody hang on to Mike Evans. Okay. Um, We'll see. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I still have to play him as a startable tight end. He's still got the work, and he's still a very talented player on a very talented offense. I do think we'll play better. Let's go to our last match. We do have the Rams versus Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals favored at minus two. Uh, Guys, 
Get on this while you still can, because right now you can bet on the Rams to win this thing outright. Joe Burrow ain't going to play this game. I'm telling you that right now. And they're still playing. They're still playing out this game as if Joe Burrow is going to play. The Bengals ain't winning this game. Jake Browning has to come in a quarterback. I'm going to just lay it out for you right now. So go ahead, jump on that money line on the Rams. You can thank me later. Uh, Speaking of Burrow, if you have Burrow, you need to find another option. Now, if you want to give yourself to the last second, Matthew Stafford, who is on my waiver wire ranking streamer quarterback list, is available in most leagues. You want to pick him up, give yourself all the way to that Monday deadline. That's a fine pivot off option. But whatever you do, do not go into that Monday night game thinking, I want to make sure I give myself every opportunity to play Joe Burrow and then wind up having to play Jake Browning like the Cincinnati Bengals do. Just, just putting those two cents out there right now. Uh, Joe Mixon, you have to keep playing him. I know it hasn't been great, but he's getting the volume. And Kyron Williams is just, I don't even know what this, I mean, Adam, Kyron Williams, I, I, was, I keep going back to Adam, but I, sorry, I didn't even mean to keep going back to you when it comes to this topic, but you know what? Screw it. You've been doing a great job with it all night. So we'll go back to the Kyron Williams and the cam makers of it all with cam makers out the way. Is Kyron Williams, is he going to maintain what he's been doing? We've seen Rams backs when they get a full workload, they turn into RB1s, whether they're RB1 talents or not. Is that what we're about to see out of Kyron? I think so. Uh, the rushing efficiency isn't great, but candidly, behind this offensive line, I don't know if it's going to, the rushing efficiency would be great for anyone. Uh, and that's just kind of where my head's at. I think that's kind of where Akers lost this job is. They kind of just threw their hands up and went, well, I don't trust Akers to pass block. I need someone to keep Stafford alive. This is an older quarterback who's been hurt quite a bit. So they're like, well, we trust Kyron back there. Let's just do that. Stafford is going to be the one winning us most of these games anyways. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that Kyron's the guy that they trust. It's not going to be Ronnie Rivers. I I don't see any running backs coming out of the – the grapevine that are going to do much better than than Kyron at this point. I mean, Leonard Fournette, you're getting effectively the same thing. Oh, great, you're a good receiver. Oh, great, you're a good pass blocker. You can't run worth a shit. It's the same thing. There's nothing coming in the distance that's going to be any different. Um, so I, I don't see what the point would be unless they're going to start hemorrhaging draft picks and trade for a Jonathan Taylor, which I don't think that's the outcome anyone – I'm not going to tell anyone to prepare for that. Uh, so, yeah – I think Kyron's probably here to stay. And realistically, before the combine killed him, we all thought he was at least a decent prospect. Um, So, yeah, I think Kyron is kind of here to stay, at least for this season. Yeah, you know, I tend to agree, man. I tend to agree. Crazy to think. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, if you got him, you got to play him. I know if if Burrow doesn't play, you're not going to get too excited. My advice to you would be if you, as a result, take a more of a shot upside play in your flex this week as a result of that, you might want to go ahead and do that. Uh, Let's let's harp back to Puka Nakua. Chris, help me out here. Puka Nakua, I got him as a top 12 wide receiver. So is he a top 12 receiver this year? What happens to him if Cooper Cup returns? You're not a twelve top twelve for the year. I think right now you can consider. Week, I'm sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't mean for the year. This this week. Um, I think it's tough. Look, what you're looking at is basically. I'm talked about the running attack. Kyron Williams isn't really the running back. Paco Nakua is running back. That's really what's happening. They're they're basically throwing a bunch of curl slants and real easy quick uh, hitch patterns. Matthew Stafford guns it to at a spot. He catches a seven yard pass. And that's basically their offense right now. Will that continue to be the case this week? Yes. 
because that's going to continue to be the case what they've been doing. They're, they're looking to get rid of the ball quickly. They're, you know, the, 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 on top of the pass protection is not good. They're able to kind of do that. Stafford's got his gun back. He's able to throw an accurate ball right now. So I think Patrick Nakua goes over, gets good push off. He gets to his spots like he's supposed to be. He's going to continue to get the receptions. Now, what you're kind of lacking on is where's the upside? Are you going to score touchdowns? Are you going to have any big plays? He had 20 targets last week. He had 15 catches, but he still barely went over 100 yards. So, I mean, it's something that you got to kind of keep in mind that I like what you're getting, especially in full point PPR. If he's full point PPR, definitely top 12, Dan. But if it's not, you might not necessarily get that this week. Mm. I think half point, well, half point PPR is what I do the rankings off of. And that's where I got him at wide receiver 11 for sure. Uh, Tutu Atwell actually makes my top 36 this week. He's another guy who's getting a lot of targets on this team right now. Now, he's someone who I think definitely disappears if Cooper Cup, in fact, does return uh, just because the target share is going to be too good. Okay, Chris, we can have a showdown if you want to. But when the tar- when Cooper Cup comes back, there's going to be too much target share between him and Puka Nakua for Tutu Atwell to be anything. Who leads the most reception? Who has the most targets run for the Rams right now? That's Puka Nakua. No, Atwell. Atwell's the has he's been on the most passing Peralts run is Pukunakua. They've been running oh. the same amount of routes. Playing time and routes run, Atwell's leading over Pukunakua. Now he's more receptions. I'm not arguing that, but Atwell's been 93% of the time in the passing situations, he's been out there running a route. He's going to continue to be the speedy guy. He has that Brandon Cooks role for them in his offense. It's not going to go away for Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's role is to move the chains and catch the ball. Difference for him between him and Nakua is Nakua gets eight yards per catch. Cooper Cup's getting about 15 yards per catch, and that's the difference you're seeing in his offense right now. So I think that will continue to be part of the offense. Nakua will be involved, but I don't think that was going to go anywhere. I think this is actually good for him when Cup comes back because he's going to continue to be the outside guy that he's been the whole season for them. No, he's not because he doesn't block. And by he's the way, he's five nine. The, the, the targets per route run miniature. is not close between Puka Nakua and Tua Atwell. It's 0.4 for Puka Nakua, 0.19 for Tutu Atwell. It's not close between those two. I thought it was 93. So I'm looking at a different stat. I must be sorry. I quoted the wrong stat. I apologize. Okay. It was 93% of the time the routes run is Atwell. I so will agree with you that Tua Tutu does not necessarily disappear if Cooper comes back. I think Van Jefferson is the one who is who we need to be afraid of missing out on. He's already, yeah, he's already gone. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, that's, but that's what I mean. I think Tutu becomes a very, very good DFS play. I don't think he's going to be a week-to-week player, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a guy that blows up in, in situations. Yeah, I, I mean, I would clarify for that. I don't think we have him as a guy who's going to be a top-tier receiver right, right now anyway. So I'm just saying that I don't think his role is going to change moving forward so much for Cooper Cup returning as much as Nakua's role would change. That's all I was arguing. We'll see how that all plays out. As for right now, though, if Cup doesn't come back, Tutu could stay a, a wide receiver three, and we don't know that Cup's going to come back. We don't know what's going on in that situation right now. Uh, this last mention, Tyler Higby, way lower on the ECR. ECR is going at tight end thirteen. I got him at tight end eighteen. Uh, we talk about Van Jefferson disappearing in the passing game. Where the frick has Tyler Higby been? Why, why is he getting pumped up into that tier of tight ends? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, so let's let's see. We got one last comment in here from. Utah Music, I just traded Raheem Mostert, Najee Harris, and Jordan Love for Ramondre, Stevenson, Justin Fields, and Gamewell. Your thoughts, 14-team, half-point PPR. It's a one-quarterback league. I am incredibly impressed that you got that trade done, in a four, especially in a 14-team, half-point PPR league. You pretty much just took them over, the, over to the bleachers and trade-raped the hell out of them. Good job. 
<laughs> like, is anybody yeah. disagree no, with that? You, get, you came out ahead correctly? on that one, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> is an, a major upgrade on Najee. And, yeah, Fields, Fields, if he's anything like what we thought, should be an upgrade. Yeah, no, that's – Don't forget, he Fields sucked well last year to begin the season. Yep. Yeah, well and then turn into a QB one. Uh, all right, one last question. We're going to round out the show here. Uh, we got uh, Braden Schaefer. I got the second wave. Should I go for Jerome Ford, Cream Hunt? Jerome Ford. That, that's Jerome not. Ford. That's not. Ford, close. Ford. Jerome Ford is a starter. Ford. He's the guy. One hundred percent. Um, oh my God, really? Everyone's saying otherwise. If you can believe it, that doesn't. You play in a league with a bunch of yep. you. You need to go out and and suggest a bunch more trades. Then <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what you need to do because apparently you have a lot more you can get for the taking in that league. Kit, All right, that's going to do it for the show today. We will be back, or I'll be back with Brian Scott at nine thirty to talk a little injury list for the week. Get you guys ready with what our expectations will be and the fantasy impact of it all. And then the second half of the show, we'll have Chaz. Florida on the cap off our top bets of the weekend. Can't wait for that. Chase Thornton, make sure you check him out at 11 a.m. on Belly Up Fantasy Live on Sunday morning. Get those start sits out and also check our rankings out on BellyUpFantasySports.com. They're both up there and live as we speak. Guys, take care. Good luck. We'll talk to you again real soon. <laughs>